What is going on? This is Chris Thomas. Jamal Thomas. And you're listening to the Run Bad Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. You're listening to us on 98.5 WJYN on Uptown Radio Philly.org and live on YouTube now on Uptown Radio Philly.org. What is going on? What is going on? And if you want to call to join the discussion, we have a really good slate of topics today. That number is 215-763-9596. And... Let's start off with, obviously, the hottest ticket in town that's going on here in the city of Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly, baby. Yep. The Eagles moved to 10-1, and one, still number one in the entire NFC, and still the best record in the NFL. With a Sunday night win over the Packers, debuting their all-black uniform, which includes the sick black helmets. Yes. Uh, it was funny because, you know, off air um, throughout the week, uh, we kind of talked last week about, you know, uh, <clears throat> obviously the end of the game. So I'd say we talked a week beforehand um, about us running the ball, uh, about, you know, when teams uh, punch you, you know, punch them back in the same yes. exact way. And in a way where, for me, it's like it's your strong, it's, it's your biggest strength. And it feels like this season started out the opposite of how last season started out because, you know, it was like forcing the pass and then realizing we were a better running team. Realizing we were a better running team and, you know, kind of transitioning into that being our uh, natural order of selection for how the offense ran. Get the run going, play action, short intermediate pass. And and to be honest, besides, you know, the confidence Jalen has to take more deep shots, I would argue the offense has not changed as far as what our strategy is. Get the ball into our playmaker's hands, close to the line of scrimmage, yards after catch, let them make plays. Um, that kind of set up one on one, so that Jalen can make more intermediate or or long or or, or deep throws with one on one coverage. Um, you know, I I still believe <clears throat> past the forty six different times we could have won the Washington game. The biggest thing that I saw, the biggest egregious thing I saw, was we did not run the ball enough. We didn't control the clock. We didn't run the ball enough. We didn't convert on short thir- third and shorts. We didn't make Washington's defense stay on the field. Now. Giving credit where credit is due, part of that is Washington may be held up good against the run, but I feel like I feel like um my biggest hang up though is you have to make teams respect. I don't care if you run the ball twenty seven times for ninety two yards. I'm not saying just you know, crap the bed as far as the run game, right? I'm just more so saying that you have to force teams to respect it. Especially if you have such a great run game. Sunday night was the perfect example of that. Um, you know, A-Rod was on one to start the game. AJ had the big fumble. Um, they gave him a short field, so it kind of kept them into the game. But I love that we didn't abandon the strategy to run the ball. We kept being aggressive. And I never thought I'd say this, but I feel like last year my biggest gripe was, hey, Jalen, you pull the ball down too much and run too much, and I want to see – I need – Here's my issue, right? The reason I don't care how many times Lamar runs the ball is because I know when it comes down to it, Lamar can throw to win the game. So if he has to beat you with his legs that day, I'm not taking it as the same way as I'm when I'm evaluating Jalen Hurts to say he can't beat you with his arms that day is why he's using his legs, right? Now, versus like Deshaun or, or, or Pat or even Cap in his prime, you know what I mean? Whereas a guy was like you called him a dual threat. It was a guy who could carve you up through the air but also could carve you up on the ground. Jalen felt like a guy who could carve you up on the ground, and if he got hot through the air, could do things. This year, obviously, he's kind of turned a corner in that. Um, I say all that to say that 
when you really, really, really think about it, the one thing we've been missing in the last couple of weeks is Jalen taking the ball in his hands and running. You think about it, it's how we won against Indianapolis, and that's how we won last week. Him being a consistent threat in the run game and not, oh, we're going to give him four or five rushes. No, he needs to have ten touches a game. And if he's hot, more than that. Because he's a sound, a sound sturdy style of quarterback, you cannot be afraid that injury will occur every time he runs the ball. Same thing that Carolina did early in his career with Cam Newton. Um, thank uh, Miles got over 20 carries. Let's get a round of applause for that. Miles Sanders got over 20 carries. I think not even kidding for like the fifth time in his career. It might be less than that. So um, that was awesome to see. Shoot, Miles Sanders playing in a week 13 NFL game. <laughs> like 363 rushing yards combined by the Philadelphia Eagles, which is the most since ni- in a game since 1948. And is a franchise record. Yes. And Jalen Hurts had 157 of them, which is the fifth most all-time in a single game by a quarterback. Yes, and the most in, by a quarterback in Eagles franchise. That's history. Yep. <laughs> Number uh, fourth all-time in a game, Michael Vick with 166. Third all-time is Michael Vick again oh. with 173. This, Justin Fields obviously broke the record. 178 and then Kyle Kaepernick in, in that playoff game, ironically against Green Bay. With 181. Yes. Yes. So, overall, offense, nothing to really complain about. I feel like the struggles over the past two weeks, they realized, they're like, hey, we're a lot better at running the football. Our offensive line is healthy. Why don't we just start running it? And then once – you bring everybody in, and then, you know, that's how you do the RPOs, and, you, you know, that's how you get guys like A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith open. The Quez Watkins, you know, touchdown was in just an amazing ball thrown one Jalen Hurts as well. And the defense, like, you know, obviously we give up 33 points, and, you know, that big Christian Watson touchdown was a cause of concern. But they got after Aaron Rodgers, and they took him out of the game. So... I, it felt good to finally see, like, we got at least three or four sacks with our guys, which pass over the past few weeks, we'd be lucky to even get a sack, which has been my issue, you know, with this pass rush throughout the entire season is that we have way too much talent. Defense, regardless of if it's Jonathan Gannon, Jim Schwartz, or the ghost of Jim Johnson, you have way too much talent to not get the quarterback at least three to four times a week. Too much talent. It's inexcusable. And so do you have one sack combined? One, two? No, we had three. Yeah. Okay. So, it was good to see us get a quarterback. Obviously, you know, secondary is now going to be a little bit concerned, especially over the top without C.J. Garner-Johnson over the next few weeks. But shout out to Reed Blankenship getting his first interception. We should be getting Avante back pretty soon as well. Yeah. Which will really help on the slot and solidify that position. Yeah, and it was so like you could put him potentially also in some safety packages as well. Mm-hmm. Play a uh, little close to the line. Nipple. Yeah, Jordan Davis could be back this week as well. Exactly, and then Goddard is supposed to be back within the next couple of weeks as well. So, rounding in the form right for the playoffs. Um, I'm not going to say this regular season doesn't matter to me. Obviously, we still need to keep the Vikings off our heels, have to win a division over the Cowboys. But my biggest thing is, and we talked about this throughout the season, and we talked about it in the offseason as well, uh, I need to see what Jalen Hurts is going to do in the playoffs. I don't care if he wins regular season MVP. I'll congratulate him. I'm sure he'd tell you the same thing, which is why I like Jalen Hurts. Even if I have my questions about whether he can be the guy full-time or for a long-term, I like his mindset. And I know he would probably tell you, yeah, no. The main thing that I feel like we need to focus on is what's going to happen in the playoffs. Obviously, you take it one week at a time, you have to make the playoffs, right? But 
with that being said, um, I think Sunday night was the perfect example of when everything kind of goes haywire, when when you have those kind of silly games where there's a bunch of turnovers and a bunch of big plays and da 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 and that can happen against anybody. We've seen it with us against Detroit. Because if you think about it, before the Packers today, the team that gave us the most amount of points was still Detroit in week one. Mm-hmm. We're in week 14. For people to not really understand that is crazy to me. It's like, this is the most points that we've given up in 13 weeks. And, yeah, the Packers aren't the Packers. And But if you look over the last three or four games, the Packers have been running in the form offensively. Their defense has been getting worse. That's not my yeah, fault. I mean, well, the defense couldn't get – well, the defense has been terrible since week one. Yeah, they haven't been able to stop the run. Their passing attack is not terrible. I mean, their secondary, rather, is yeah. not terrible. Oh, excuse me. But uh, – Side note that's not an eagle note. Jordan Love. I mean, it's garbage time. He came in, and I wouldn't even call it garbage time. It was still a two-possession game with plenty of time left. Yeah. Came in, he looked composed, made the throws he should have. I'm only laughing because, no, he's not A-Rod, and no, he probably doesn't make Romeo Dobbs good, and he probably doesn't make Watson good, but I really – all right, I'm just going to say this. You draft this kid to come and sit behind A-Rod. You traded up for him. You mm-hmm. traded up for him. You had the – the goal or the, you know, the, um, the cojones to, uh, to, uh, to, um, to, to, to get rid of Favre for Rodgers. I'm not saying that love is Rodgers, right? I'm not saying that, right? But when are you going to let this kid, because you're four and eight right now, right? With Aaron Rodgers, with a pretty, with, since he hurt the thumb or whatever, but with Aaron Rodgers, four and eight, who, let's be real, you couldn't have gone four and eight with, and you got a fir- and you got the Raiders first round pick. Yeah. And you could have done it for fifty million dollars cheaper. So you would have had money on the cap, two first round picks. You know what? And you would have seen if love was even worth it. So you could have used one of those picks. The reality is that as soon as Devontae left, the Packers should have just shopped him. That's just the reality of it. I don't get it. And you know what I think it was? I think also Green also, can you imagine how good Denver would be with A Rod versus Russell? <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk. We'll talk about that later. Or something. Oh but God. God, man! But <laughs> oh, people, GMs are stupid, but they get paid money for this. All right. But um, but no, like, like if you're the Packers, do you shut it down? Yes, they're obviously not because A Rod. Yeah, because you see what A Rod said in his friend. and even I love A Rod, right? But, and I'm this is the realest thing I'm gonna say. What are you playing for at this point? Pride. To prove to people that you don't want to sit up. Like, like, like you've reached LeBron status. You've reached Manning status. You've reached Brady status. I'll be real. If it was New England, Brady, and they were 4-8 and eight and he's hurt, Tom's going to sit down. And I don't mean that in, like, a not tough way. And Tom's going to be like, this is a lost season, bro. I'm not about to do this. I only go to the, I don't, I only play to go to the playoffs. And if that's not on the floor, that's not on the – what are we doing? And so my biggest thing is – You have a broken hand and you, you – Nearly broke your ribs on Sunday night. Why are you playing? Like at this point, like what are you playing? Like try to run the table and go nine and eight and just barely miss the playoffs. That does that's not gonna work, bro. Exactly. The NFC's too good. You gotta you you need to be at least a ten win team to make. Yeah, the playoffs. honestly, that just comes down to the point where it's like you're Matt Lafleur, you're the GM, and you're the owner. You sit him down. And like, listen, it's a lost season, man. We need to, we drafted this kid in the first round for a reason. Obviously, we don't know if this is a big whiff on our part, you know, because we didn't want to take you off. 
But we need to see what he looks like with Christian Watson. We need to see what he looks like with Romeo Dobbs when he gets back. We have nothing to play for at this point. At this point, we're playing spoiler. No, not even just nothing to play for. You're nowhere You're nowhere near close to any of the wild card teams, right? No. If you were at least close, you could say uh, if we're six and seven, you could you could rationalize it, right? You're six and six. You're like, all right, we like, got to win up. Here's the thing. Like, if you won on Sunday night, you're five and seven. Right? You're like, all right, you're still in it. Cool. Let's let's try to make a run at this, right? Minnesota's running away with that division, so it's no way you're going to win it unless Minnesota just literally falls apart and loses the next six games straight and you win the next six games straight or next five games straight, which I just don't see happening. Yeah. Um, unless, yeah, unless the Giants have a massive collapse also. Yeah, and, something and like that. And now, mind you, the, both of those teams, that could happen because the Giants look like they're starting to come back to earth and kind of the same thing for the Seahawks. Even though they're still playing well, you can see their talent deficiency starting to show themselves. Yes. Um, but like we both just said, so you don't have a path to division. You barely – you can squint hard enough to see a path to the wild card. What are we doing here? Is this just to pad your Hall of Fame stats? It's like if you get up on the podium and say, I just need to put more touchdowns on the board to catch Brady or something, I, hey, listen, I'll shut up. I ain't going to knock it. Keep it a buck. But don't sit here and tell me and, – and I get it, you know. He is a football player. He's a competitor. I think because, you know, he has this – Kyrie Irving and Aaron Rodgers are the same guy. One's just white, one's just black. <laughs> but they are the same guy. They always go into the room and they think they're smarter than they are and they think that their esoteric lifestyle makes them – and they'll never say this because I don't really believe this, but, like, people who kind of behave this way, you can tell, their esoteric lifestyle makes them arrogant and makes them feel like they have a bigger grasp on things. But one thing I will give A-Rod is he is a competitor. He's a football player. I also believe, you know, if you want to give credit where credit is due or not even credit where credit is due, but give respect where respect is due – I'm sure he's also playing because he doesn't want to quit on his guys. It doesn't want to look like, oh, I sat out because we don't have a chance to win. But truthfully, you're hurt. It's not like you're a healthy scratch. It's not like it's like Matt Ryan where we're like, we're just going to go with the young guy because you've been stinking up the joint. It's like you're hurt. Sit out a couple weeks. Put it to you like this. If you sit out for two weeks and Jordan Love goes 2-0 and and you're healthy again, you're 6-8, and eight, you got a shot. You got to win three straight to have a shot, right? If you sit out two weeks and you go 4-10, and 10, what's the point of you coming back? that point, get yourself healthy for next year to either be traded or to come back with this team next year. Because the funniest thing is if they fix their defense, truthfully, I think they could be back next year. And the thing is that the talent is there. I don't know if it's – do you think it's the coaching or you just think it's just – I don't know because, you know, LaFleur, you know, you could argue that LaFleur possibly has come back with some of that – Oh, I had a legendary quarterback, and I just didn't mess it up when he kind of took the job. Because when he took the job, 2019? Yeah. So, you know, those first three years, they yeah. won 13 games apiece. Yeah. Or close to it? No, they didn't 13, win 13. 13 right? Yeah. 13. They won 13 every year, right? Yes. So he's, what, 39-3 as a coach? Which is nuts. Or 39, 39 and – I'm sorry, 39 and 10 as a coach. Because 13 and 4, remember, 17 oh, yeah. games late last year. So – Either way, you know what I'm saying. But the point is, darn a a darn good record. Um, It's gonna show. Is he a good coach, or does he just have one of the best quarterbacks ever? It's the Sean Payton thing. Sean Payton has only ever been a head coach with Drew Brees, and the one year he had to go without Drew Brees, he was like, "Yeah, I'm good off this." So is Sean Payton really a good, this good coveted coach that everybody should want, or did he just have Drew Brees? And even when you come back, it's like, is he gonna really gonna fix anything that if he goes to the Chargers, is it because of his genius or is it because of Justin Herbert? 
I do think he'd be less dumb than Brandon Staley. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, if we're just if we're just if we're giving if we're giving an honest assessment, like I think just the fact that he would just be like, maybe we should run the ball more. Maybe you should use this guy more. Maybe we should bring this. I feel like they'll the Chargers will go from a team that constantly finishes nine and eight to twelve and five, mm-hmm. just off the strength of not having an idiot as a coach. Because I still they still have not understand them. Explain to me why Anthony Lynn got fired. Brandon Taylor was supposed to be this massive up. It's, oh, never mind. Well, I understand why Brandon Taylor got fired because he's part of Sean McVay's staff. This is Sean McVay's handshake. Yeah, because it's just like, okay, no one's still explaining to me. And, you know, obviously we could get into race and how black coaches have a way shorter leash than white coaches, unless you're Marvin Lewis for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that was just like, yo, he. I feel like that was just a token. No, there's an exception to the rule. Obviously, Mike Tomlin has been at least average to great. He has a Super Bowl ring, multiple Super Bowl appearances, AFC Never had a losing game. record. Never had, well, he'll have one this year. Never had a losing <laughs> I mean, shoot, actually, at this point, he's still got a shot to not have a losing record. Yeah. They won. They won. They right? won last night, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so they're, what, 4-7 and seven now? Yeah. I mean, hey, if they get to 7-7, seven and seven, it could get interesting. It would be cool to see him pull out a, a, a 500 record with this team. Because they are devoid right now. They are devoid of talent. But that's the funniest thing. But here's the thing, right? Would you rather have a talented team with crappy coaching, or would you have that? Would you rather have a built-in coaching infrastructure and then have to grab talent? Oh, like Jeff always says, like coaching matters. Yeah. So I'd rather have a coach in place because I know that at the very least, even if you're devoid of talent, he's going to like that lemon. He's going to squeeze as much talent as he could possibly can. So I love Ron Rivera. Because the commanders are, I wouldn't even say they're devoid on talent. I think they're missing a couple pieces to really yeah. compete. But he's always maximized the best he could out of that roster. Yeah. Most coaches would have given Wentz their job back. He's like, nah. I mean, let's be real. Like, let's, let's get some love to Ryan Dable as well. He's getting the most out of can out of Daniel Jones. Yeah, and no, this, 100%. And when you look at this offense, it's literally Saquon Barkley. And at this point, whatever wide receiver is. Name me one wide receiver playing for the Giants right now. That's not injured. Darius Slayton. That's, That's it. a shame. <laughs> That's a shame. I, yo, Wanda Robinson is hurt. Yeah. Darius Tony's gone. Kenny Galladay, anyway. Um, <laughs> Sterling Shepard's hurt. Like, their whole receiver. Bro, they're paying Kenny Galladay $19 million. No, but like we're laughing about that. But the one thing I do like about you know this new coaching staff is that like we're like if you pro- if you produce, you're playing. I don't care how much you're making. If you're going to be a negative on my field, I don't care how. Bro, I'll make nineteen million. Oh, that's great. Darius Slayton, come on, brother. Oh no. Anyway. <laughs> oh no. Anyway, guy, we signed last week off the practice class. I've been blocking all week. Hey, come on, bro. Hey, yo, Travis Fogum, where you at? Can you chill? <laughs> <laughs> Not Travis Fogel. Hey yo. Hey yo. That man. That man was like a four week. He was legend. a goat for four weeks. For four weeks, he was. You squinted real hard. He was Jerry Rice out there. No, he he was the Eagles. Dominic Brown. You will not let this go. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> you. I know you always want to see the black man make it, but you gotta let that one go, bro. bro. Listen, there's an alternate universe where we win a World Series with Dominic Brown and Michael Franco. This alternate. <laughs> it happens, man. You know what? Give me that. Give me that timeline. <laughs> <laughs> Drawing, nah, but uh, no, nah, but back, no, nah, but seriously, like, play Jordan Love. You drafted, you traded up for him. At this point, he's been in the system for three years. So, if you're even gonna go back to Aaron Rodgers, then what was the point of going after Jordan Love? I, I, and now I'm confused because 
I don't. It's like, I guess because okay, I guess because in practice, and then the couple of times you saw A Rod play throughout those first couple of years before he fully took over for Favre, you kind of knew he was gonna be a guy, even if he wasn't gonna be what he is now. You kind of at least knew. I think there's still so much mystery with Love, and I think the thing is like the game has changed so much, and you know, A Rod obviously is injured right now, but like his body hasn't really been through. It's been through trauma, right? Yeah. But it's no torn. He's never torn an ACL. He's never. He's broke his collarbone a couple years ago. I remember yeah. that. Uh, he had a couple rib injuries. So like body bruising, body breaking injuries, but not a torn ACL, a torn rotator cuff like Drew Brees. So it's like he doesn't have the wear and tear that Brett had on his yeah. body also, at the end when they were when it was, the choice was between Brett and A. Rod. Honestly, at this point, at the end of the season, they got to make a choice. Where it's like, all right, yes, you have to. You either need to go all in on Jordan Love for the next. But two didn't years. they extend A. Rod? Yes, they did. So obviously, you made your choice with Arod for at least the next two years. So Arod thirty six, he's thirty eight, man. Dude, I mean the thing is, people make the joke, but to me, he's not slowing down. It's just he literally had crappy receivers. Not crappy. I don't want to call the kids crappy, they're, but they're, yeah, it, he had three. He had two rookie receivers in Alan Lazard. <laughs> like I forgot, I forgot about Alan Lazard. Well, listen, everyone forgets about Alan Lazard. Exactly, but so. You know, what did their chemistry look like next year? And then we're all like, ooh, Jordan. But then here's the thing. He'll be 30, yeah, he'll be 39 in three days. So it's like, okay, do you pick up the fifth option on Jordan Love, fifth year option? That's 20 million. Because <laughs> he was a first round quarterback. Yeah. If that you could have well, gotten, yeah, that you could have probably gotten a third. Yes. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, dude. I, I, I say cut your losses. The only fear for me is is I'm gonna say is anybody gonna take her? Somebody's gonna need a somebody's gonna take a ride. I mean, shoot, like what? Okay, Matt Stafford was three first round picks, right? Yeah, something like that. No, the, at least no two. So what's the price for a ride at 38 years old with a fresh contract extension that at least probably pays him to 42? It de- it, it depends on it depends on the team because everybody cause okay all prices are different. So take the Broncos off the board because they've already paid Russ and there's no way they can get Ray Rod. Give me three teams that money-wise, schematic-wise, and sense-wise would make sense to try and go after A-Rod this offseason. Off the top of my head, the New York Jets. Okay. Okay. Because if you're that sour on Zach Wilson, and we all know Mike White is not going to be a long-term answer. But they got two first-round picks, remember? Yeah. So you want to give up two first-round picks? I mean, we're, we're, like the Jets are seven and four. You already have ability blocks on your defense with Sauce Gardner and Jermaine Johnson and a bunch of other guys. Robert Sala is a defensive guy. At that point, what really else do you need to oh draft? Oh my gosh! I mean, you're getting Brees Hall back. Yeah, you have a fresh Michael Carter. You got a pretty good line. You, you got, got Garrett, two, Garrett you Wilson, Eli- you got Elijah, Elijah Moore, Moore, Corey Davis in the slot. Tyler Coughlin's not a bad tight end as well. All. The only thing you really need is just what another piece on the offensive line. You can get that mid round piece on the offensive line, and maybe one more piece on defense, like one more pass rusher to go with Johnson. Yeah, and you can get that free opposite. agency. So, and they're gonna have money. Yeah, but then here's the thing with the A Rod trade: how much of their cap does that? How much of their cap does that money eat up? It's my only thing. That's also true, but they got to think like most of the guys that you're probably gonna have to pay, like Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson. You don't got paid for like three to four years. So by that point, so, A-Rod will be riding off into the sunset. Exactly. No, I okay. So the Jets, I like that idea. Okay, give me two more. This is going to be ironic. The Raiders. You done with Derek Carr, huh? 
it's not it's I'm not putting it all on him. Their defense is terrible. Yeah. But I feel like Derek Carr is kind of like a like a Matthew Stafford where it's like he needs to get out of there. You can't do you've done so much you can't you've done so much for that Raiders team to the point where it's like there's really nothing else. More. But you got to remember this is a Raiders team that started out 0 4. Yeah. And it's going four and three cents. I'm not saying that they've been lighting the world on fire, but I could, you could argue that, you know, a rough shot, a bounce, a bounce here in the in the in the in the, uh, in the Arizona game, a bounce here in another game, and we're talking about a five and six, six and sixteen, who's right in the thick of it in the AFC. Yeah. And I argue if they have a good enough offseason next year, who's to say they couldn't be in the thick of it again? Yeah, but at that point, would you even with what you're seeing from Rodgers this year? Would you rather rock out with Derek Carr? Or would you rather go with a Rod? I mean. Um, well, fair point. I'd take A-Rod. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, that's two for the Raiders. So, so, we got the Jets and the Raiders. One more. This is super unrealistic, but Washington. What's so unrealistic about it? I mean, the only unrealistic part is probably A-Rod being like, go screw yourself. I'm not yeah, going that's, there. that's it. But other than that. It make it probably makes the most. Now, oh, my God, I'm doing the whole underdog thing. There's no way you can argue that Taylor Heineke should be a starting quarterback over Aaron Rodgers. But he's the cheaper option. The guys love playing for him. And I would argue that he's never really gotten the full confidence to say, this is your team. Yeah, but we already know that if Washington is in any position to get any of those quarterbacks in the first round, they're going to go after him. Regardless of how so? regardless of how much you love him. Well, this is about to be a playoff team. So, okay, so let's say the, let's say the commanders go 11-6, and six, right? 10-7, and 11-6. Make the playoffs. Give someone a valiant fight. Go out. Whatever the case may be, right? How do you justify at that point getting rid of Heineke? Because you could argue if you don't start the season with Carson Wentz and go 0-4, this is a team that could have com- either competed with us for the division or had a better wild card spot. Okay, I'll counter. You also your- didn't have no Chase Young. Okay, I'll counter this question with another question. How do you how do you justify getting rid of Tim Tebow if you won your playoff game? Because you went and got one of the goats. Yeah, exactly. Oh no. Okay, I can. Okay, who's better, Tim Tebow or Taylor Heineke? Who's better, Taylor Heineke or Aaron Rodgers? Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, but okay. Okay, so let's break this Washington one down. The reason I'm so staunchly, I, I think it's unrealistic more from the Washington standpoint than we're crediting it just from the A-Rod standpoint is that money is now money you can't spend on the offensive line or spend on the offense in general. I mean, I would argue their offense is pretty darn good if you really look at it. Um, and that's money you can't spend on the back end of their defense that I would argue is the only thing that they need. You need something in the middle. You need a new line. You need a new linebacking core. And you need some. You need a maybe one or two. The linebacking core is fine. You got Jermaine Davis, Cole Holcomb's not bad. I mean, the strength of your defense is actually comes from the defensive line. So yeah, it's your front four. Yeah, which so I would like, argue is t- maybe the best in the league. Yeah. So, like, honestly, like, as and long as those guys are paid and situated, like, you can. Holy crap! Are they going to get Chase Young back for the playoffs? Yes. Well, Chase Young's coming back this week, Bruh. I guess the Chiefs. No, I thought the Chiefs are playing. Um, not the Commanders. See, somebody's coming back, but it is against the Chiefs. Jamar Chase is coming back. Jamar Chase, not Chase Young. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, well. But Chase Young will be back before the, the Commanders make the playoffs, because I do think the Commanders will want to make the playoffs. Um, okay, so three uh, teams that, since I can't name the three teams you named, I'll make an argument for three other teams, and then we'll discuss that. So, um... This is going to oh, sound like a oh, crazy yeah, Washington one. Oh, playing the Giants. This is going to sound like a crazy one, right? Seattle. Love Geno, right? But the same thing you just said with Taylor Heineke. Who's better, Geno Smith or Aaron Rodgers? 
they already got the weapons. You already got a coach who you can clearly see he gave Russ a leash for maybe too long. And I don't know why, but I just feel like Pete Carroll and Aaron Rodgers are going to end up watching film together smoking joints. Like, I feel like that's their weekly tradition. Like, I just see them meshing as a quarterback-coach combo. My only thing is is that if you weren't going to pay Russ that money, why would you take all that dead cap for A-Rod? Because A-Rod's better than Russ. <laughs> I mean, it's really that simple. Okay. And if you already have a – think about this, right? Let's just say, right, let's say they make that trade, right? Let's say they keep one of their first-round picks because they got one from Denver. Let's say they keep the Denver. Let's say they go, they tell Green Bay, we'll give you our first-round pick and the next two first-round picks. We're not giving you the Denver pick. I'm sorry. And we'll take on the money. Okay, cool. You use that pick. Let's just say oh, – I'm just going to throw it out there. You get Will Anderson or you get the top corner in the draft, something on defense, right? Their offense, to me, is already set. Got a great O-line that can run block, and A-Rod's going to get the ball out quick. You have an amazing t- – I would love Tyler Lockett on the Eagles on a side note. You have an amazing slot guy who also can play on the outside. You got DK. You got Will Disley. Um, you have two number one running backs. I don't know if they're going to bring Rashad Penny back or even pay him. Oh, my God. By the way, I'd, I'd pay Rashad Penny. I'm not saying I'd pay him Miles money, but like a one-year prove-it deal to back up Miles. I'm not going to say too injury-prone for me to trust it. A one-year prove-it deal? Why not? Here's the thing. Like also, Seattle, like it doesn't matter. Like Seattle doesn't care about running back names. Yeah. But you get my point, yeah, though. No. They had Travis Homer. Yeah, they, they keep finding T.J. No. Dallas. They're so good at finding They're really like Rashard Penny, like, you know what? He's like, your backups are D.J. Dallas and Travis Homer. Like Exactly. So now it's Kenneth Walker's team. Either way, you're going to have a superstar at running back. Think yeah. about it like that. Or if they really want to just double down and really get the A-Rod formula and do the A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, you could have Penny and Walker. That offense is Or they could just draft a guy. That offense is stupid. That's crazy. So I feel like – they make a lot of sense if you're not sold on Gina. If you like, all right, Gina, we let you raise your value. Maybe you go here to Green Bay. Um, I mean, at that point, what do you have him back him up? I'm sorry, bro. I will say, yes, you go get A-Rod over Gino, but I think, and even Seattle and Gino would agree, like, no, just let me go somewhere else where I can start. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure. Well, Drew Locke's the backup, so. Exactly. No, real rep. So maybe you do a straight up picks and Gino for A-Rod and Gino goes back and competes with Jordan Love for the starting spot or whatever the case. Because he's six years younger than A-Rod. So you could conceivably continue with Gino. And I, I would say Gino could run that offense. And we could really see what LaFleur is made of. Um, that's one. Um, okay. This one's going to sound crazy. The Saints. No. Crazy. You don't trust Jameis because you know at this point you know I don't trust is. anything. I don't trust anything. You don't trust Andy Dalton. Come on now. You got the money. I don't trust Jason Mill. Who said that? <laughs> I don't even – I wasn't even going to acknowledge him as an option. Um, <laughs> so, you know, with that with, with, just, with that all being said, um, biggest thing for me that I'm, you know, wrapping my brain around as far as um, why it will work is you already got weapons. You got Olave. Michael Thomas can't just be hurt for the rest of his career. Yes, you know. <laughs> in theory he can't be hurt for the rest of his career yes he can I don't know what happened to Marquez Calloway I guess they cut him um, you know you got Alvin Kamara obviously that line is still top tier in this league um, and that defense is only a couple pieces away from being back to what they used to be but here's the thing though okay how if you're the if you're the Saints and the Packers are like yeah you don't have a first round pick that belongs to the Eagles what 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 can you give me back in return for Aaron Rodgers? Like, what's my incentive to trade you to New Orleans? That's true. Yeah, no, so that's more on the Packers side being like, why would I do this deal? How does this help me? 
Yeah. Right, what's the last one? Um, my last third, my third team. I'm gonna stay in New York. I'm gonna go to Giants. Mm. You win Jets. I'm gonna go the opposite end of this MetLife. I'm gonna go to the Giants. You haven't picked up Daniel Jones' option, so you have no obligation to his money. Oh God. I'm. I'm. You're gonna get. You're gonna have Kenny Galladay. You're gonna get a healthy <laughs> Sterling Shepard. I know it's a joke, but if anybody can make Galladay look worth something, it's a Rod. You're gonna have Shepard. You're gonna have Slayton. You're gonna have Wando Robinson back. You're arguably going to have not a great pick, but, I mean, I'm sure you're giving up that first-round pick, so who cares at that point? You can go get another weapon in a second. Then you have Saquon with a guy who can get him the ball out of the backfield so that he can run more routes. He can run more natural slot routes. He can run more flare routes. He can run more wheel routes. Yeah, Saquon can be a wide receiver if need be. Exactly. So, with that defense, with Dayball's coaching, and you see what Dayball was able to do with Josh Allen. You know, so – and yeah. we and shoot, Mike Kafka is also. We also seen what he's doing with Patrick Mahomes. Also, so, so it's like the best of both worlds coming together for the older rendition of. Them. Like I, I, I would argue out of the six teams we named, the Giants might make the most sense. They have the money, they have the coaching. I know it's see, not see like out of the six we named, but I'm throwing a late hat and I'm throwing a late challenger and a new challenger just appeared. Okay, hear me out, and it's going to make the most sense ever. Here you go. Tom Brady retires. Do you trust Kyle Trask? Who? Or do you say at this point, you know, we're going to try to keep this contender. Thing going. Tr- Why not? Ride this train out. Yeah. Your offensive line is eventually going to get healthy. Yes, that's true. At that point, Julio's Julio might take a it might take a pay cut and still might resign for that same deal to come back. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Yeah, really. I mean, at that point, you could run pretty much any running back. I'm Did not they here. franchise tag Godwin? Yeah. Okay. Ooh, I don't hate that. I just don't think they have. Do they have the first round pick this year? Yeah. Yeah, they do. I mean, if Brady retired, but the Brady didn't say this is his last season. I'm just saying, if Brady. Oh, if Brady retires, yes, then yeah. I think the Bucks go on the table because they have the they have the talent to entice him. It's warm in Florida. Yeah. No taxes. No taxes. Like honestly. It's not a bad contender. Ooh. I'm going to throw another late one in there. That Don't say the Dolphins. No. No, no, no. Two oh, is, two I'm about there. to say, bro. Like, I'm, I'm, no. about say, I'm about to say no. No, no, no. no. You're going to smile at this one. Minnesota. Cousins' deal is done this year. Let's say he gets to the playoffs and craps the bed again. They're not going to do the Brett Favre thing all over again, man. I mean, first of all, would, would you saying Green Bay wouldn't or Minnesota wouldn't? Green Bay wouldn't. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say Minnesota would do it again. First of all, remember, the Brett Favre thing, was it wasn't a direct trade. Remember, he went to the Jets first, and then he signed to the Vikings. Yeah. So, there's no way Green Bay would just – but, once again, A-Rod's under contract. So, it would have to be a team that they were willing to trade him to. Yeah, and more than likely, it has to be a team where it's like, it's not going to come back and haunt us. If you can trade to Minnesota, that's going to haunt you two times a year. As petty as A-Rod is, it's going to haunt you regardless. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever one game he get against y'all, he's going to make sure to throw for 514. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, some other games that I want to discuss from the weekend or at least take a look at. Oh, yeah, week 13? Uh, week 12. It was week 12 last week? Or? Uh, You know, Thanksgiving games were pretty good. Actually, all three Thanksgiving games were actually pretty good. All three Thanksgiving games were pretty good. Uh, Obviously, the Steelers getting a win over the Colts. We mm. talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, the 49ers defense is scary. 
And I know the Saints aren't anything to write home about offensively this year, so it's easy to make the joke and say, oh, well, well, uh, blah, blah, blah. you know, um, but shutting someone out, especially in today's day and age in the NFL, is it's really me, hard to do. It's to me nothing to sneeze at. And I think you I think you would agree with that as well. Absolutely. Nothing to sneeze at. To, I don't care who you are. If you shut someone out, it should be talked about. Nick Bosa is healthy. Obviously, those corners are healthy. Um, if Trey Lance, you're now seven and four, right? Or six and four? We're gonna six and no, they're seven and four. You're now seven and four, right? Yes. If you get to nine and four, Trey's healthy. You stick with Jimmy. They're gonna stick with Jimmy regardless for the rest of the season. You know Kyle, Kyle Shanahan loves that man. No, but I just think the funniest part about this entire situation is the exact thing that we talk about when it was like, you did all of this to go get something new, and then you keep going back to the old thing. It's like if you're supposed to be moving on, move on. But if you're not, then you need to go fix that with Jimmy Garoppolo. You paid him $20 million to be a backup. That is nuts. Like, when you really think about that, that's really crazy. Right? Yeah. Or am I tripping? You paid, him, you paid a guy... $20 million to be a backup. When you're already paying your first round pick, who was the third pick in the draft, $20 million. That, to me, makes zero sense. But, you know, once again, I'm not a GM. Um, the Saints, man, you know, obviously I'm biased, so I want them to just kind of pack it in and just suck the rest of the year. But I like the, I'm glad to see them fighting for Dennis Allen, uh, you know, uh, as a – at this point, uh, the Saints were our rival a couple years ago, so everything they did bothered me. But now seeing them fall apart, I'm just like, eh. Warms my heart. It warms my heart a little bit. Because don't ever forget, y'all beat us in a playoff game where y'all shouldn't have beat us, and y'all were singing Dreams and Nightmares, and then went and lost the NFC title game. Oh, but we got cheated. I don't care. Mm, that's crazy. Man, anyway. That wasn't a pass interference. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never seen no defense like that. All right. Um, Bills Lions. Man, I love this Lions team, dude. <laughs> We've been talking about it all season, all, all year. Yeah. I like Dan Campbell. I like that all of his coordinators were former players, and they're all dogs, too. Aaron Glenn was nice. Obviously, Deuce. Obviously, Antoine Randolph. Like, guys who may not have been superstars in the league, but they put up some numbers, and they played on some great teams. Yeah. Um, And had rings. Because I think Deuce has a ring from the Steelers, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. He was on that 05 team. Yeah, Randolph also. Yep. So, um... You know, Jamison Williams, uh, the rumor is that either this week or next week he'll make his season debut. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the Lions are 3-7 and seven now or 4-7. Four 4-7. and seven. Four and seven. It sucks because, you know, a win last week on Thanksgiving, right, would have put them at 5-6 and six, and then it would have been like, oh, are the Lions going to make the playoffs? Man, it's so awesome to see that, especially with how bad. Dude, they might have the second pick in the draft with how the Rams are playing, or at least the third or fourth. Yeah. And they're going to have a shot at Bryson. They're going to have a shot at Stroud. Because I think if the Texans are one, one of those guys are coming off the board. Yeah. Then I think the Rams are two, which would be Detroit's two. And then, yeah, let's get the draft order. Just because I want to see how how close they're, they're going to have an actual chance at Stroud. Right. Or, Tankathon is on. Houston's one. Chicago is two. Rams will be three. So they'd have their well, shot. They'd yeah. have their 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 well their pick or whoever. And Denver left. will be the fourth. And Denver will be picking fourth, but it's going to go to Seattle. Saints right now have the sixth pick. 
Okay. Let's play a little exercise here. You know, you obviously watch a lot more college football than I do. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to set up the line, and you just go with your gut instinct with the first five picks, okay? So with the first pick in the 2023 NFL draft, the Houston Texans select. It should be Bryce Young. Go with your instinct. Quarterback Bryce Young, Alabama. Yes. Okay. Why 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 Young over Stroud for for the Texans? I mean, obviously you you think so in general, but why for the Texans? Bryce Young's the best. Bryce Young's the best quarterback in college. Okay. And if you watch Alabama games this year, they all their wide receivers are going in the NFL. So if you watch Bama games this year, it's literally been Bryce Young carrying them. So I don't care that much about his size. Obviously, you know he's five. He's five ten if he wears. You know, yes, but uh, our talent is there. But the major difference is, is that obviously, if you had to squint really hard between the difference between him and Stroud, Stroud is six three. So obviously, I think if anything, Stroud's gonna be number one because they're gonna be like, yeah, we like a taller, you know, better built quarterback. So that's why I think Stroud, if anything, is gonna be number one. Okay, okay. but. I like Bryce Young. I don't care about his height. Also, he's a Philly kid. So, is Bryce Young from here? Yes. Really? Yes. What school did he go to? Holy crap! I didn't know that. We might have to get Bryce Young jersey. I'll get a Texans jersey. Yeah, yeah born and raised in Philly. Uh, Probably went to St. Joe's Prep or one of the Catholic schools. Uh, well, he went to high school in California. But he was born and raised here. Okay, so yeah. it must have been. Good. Born and raised Philly in uh, 2001, July 25th. He also moved to Pasadena, California. Okay, got you. Got yeah, you. So, if anything, he's a California plan. But to answer your question, I feel like Bryson like should be the number one pick. But I think – but my instincts are telling me Stroud is going to go number one. So, your instincts are telling you C.J. Stroud is going to be first pick. Yes. Okay. Got you. All right. So – with the second pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select. Jalen Carter from Georgia. Ooh, interior defensive lineman. So yeah. the best defensive player in the draft, Yes, in your opinion. Yeah, Eberflus is a defensive guy. They're need, they, listen, we've been watching Chicago's defense for weeks. Their offense needs help, too, but I, they have two first-round picks. Their, their offense is not that far off. If, 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 we, if, if Justin Fields' play over the past several weeks has been any indication of what Chicago's going to be next year, you have Chase Claypool for a full OTA. You have Darnell Mooney for a full OTA. Sam McCloud come in. You bring in a wide receiver like a free agency, like a veteran guy to help him out. That offense is not that far off. Their defense is absolutely horrible because we saw it like this week, like like right. Uh, Justin Fields didn't play, but that defense still got shredded by Mike White. They need help. So I feel like you bring him in, short interior. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be a heavy de- – It's. I feel like it's going to be the same as last year where it's like it's going to be a heavy defensive draft for Chicago. Fair. Um, okay. With the third pick in the 2023 NFL draft, the Detroit Lions via the Los Angeles Rams select. They're bright, They're going to Bryce Young. Okay. And it, it Jameson makes, gets to pair back up with Bryce Young. So I'm in Ross St. Brown. Got healthy DJ Chark. Writes itself. It writes itself. You got Swift and Jamal Williams. You got one of the best O-lines brewing in, in, in football. Yeah. Go get it, Dan. Yep. And, you know, Jared Goff, for everything I've talked about Jared Goff, I'd like to see him get one more chance to start. 
I don't think he's played terrible with Detroit. I'm not saying he's played up to their number one pick status. Yeah, but I, I don't. Let's hear things. Like Jared Goff is not a terrible quarterback, but if you have an opportunity to upgrade, you upgrade, you you need to. So like, I love Jared Goff as a backup. I don't like him as a starter because I feel like dudes, when you have certain quarterbacks, your ceiling is limited. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Um, with the fourth pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the yeah. Seattle Seahawks. Being the Denver Broncos select Will Anderson Oh man And they haven't had a dominant pass rusher since Cliff Averill Yep So Oh man Alright So Why Will Anderson? Because I feel like Gino has done enough To at least have the job for another year And right now with Stroud And Bryce off the board you the really drop don't. Off is. You don't really need to reach for a quarterback. So, you, at that point, the best player available, in my opinion, the best player available in this, the best player in this entire draft is Will Anderson. But because of the fact that you know quarterback needy teams need to bet on a quarterback, I feel like Will Anderson's going to fall to four. Mm. And perfectly to the Seattle Seahawks. And to round out our top five, the Carolina Panthers with the fifth pick. And in 2023, NFL Draft Select. Carolina Panthers. Mm. They have so many holes. Because at this point, like you talked about, the quarterback drop-off. I feel like Carolina's going to trade back. Ooh. Okay, so if Carolina trades back, then let's take this exercise one step further. The next pick would obviously be the Philadelphia Eagles via the New Orleans Saints, which is what I wanted to get to. So now with all these guys off the board, so Stroud, Young, Anderson, Carter, all off the board, Carolina trades back. Who does Philly go get? They get this also corner. Whoever the best available corner drafted. Yeah. And it's this point it's Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. Mm. Heard. So, Eagles go get themselves a great young corner to go develop behind an aging Slay, and aging Bradbury. I love it. Yeah. I like it. I like I it. Find, honestly, if, you, if that happens, Bradbury's not coming back. Yeah, at that point, because then you know he's, he's had a great resurgent year, and you know he's going to get paid. Yeah. So, and if Jalen proves himself to be the guy, then you, at that point, you got to be cautious in terms of who you're who spending. You paying. Yeah. Yep. All right, so that concludes our little draft exercise. I want to talk about the AFC. Okay. I think as Eagles fans, we you know tend to talk about the NFC, but I want to talk about the AFC playoff picture and how it's shaping up, who you're looking at, who's running in the form. But um, before we do that, speaking of AFC teams, Deshaun Watson finally makes his debut. Well, since we're talking about the AFC, let's yeah, uh, as a, as a member of the Cleveland Browns, and funny enough, their first game is going to be against the Texans in, in Houston. Houston. And reportedly, there's going to be at least 10 people that where Deshaun Watson accusers will be in attendance for that game. So obviously, you know, you being a fan of Deshaun Watson, the player, let me let me let me clarify for the audience. Mm -hmm. You're a fan of Deshaun Watson, the player. You feel like it's a top five talent. So overall, what are your thoughts about, you know, that news? 
Um, ever since this happened, I've been conflicted, and not conflicted in like whose side I'm on, but in conflicted in to how to properly analyze this because you know he's not been convicted in the court of law. Um, he served his sentence for what the NFL has said. So, but in the court of public opinion, he's still, you know, viewed as what he's viewed as. Mm -hmm. um, and that is a sexual assaulter. So, um, it's really hard to, you know, it's like people separate the art and the artist. So, if I'm just being completely separating and not having anything to do with that, I think Cleveland shouldn't even play him. You're four and seven. At this point, uh, if you can bring up the AFC playoff picture, I think. The seventh seed is currently one second. I got you. Probably, I'm gonna give a guess on record. I don't even care who it is. I'm just gonna give a guess on record. I'm gonna say they're the seven, Jets, seven and four, right? Yeah, You're three games off of the seventh wild card team or the seventh team in the playoffs. Um, you'd have to run the table to even have a shot to get in. I don't think it's worth it. I mean, if you want to get them reps, you want to get them um, acquainted with Coop. You want to get him acquainted with Njoku. You want to, you know, the guys hiding hands off the ball and all Honestly, that good stuff. Yeah, but I don't know, I, that's how I feel like well, that's what it is at this point. Because think about it, he didn't play last year, like, at all. Obviously, because that was a mutual agreement between him and Houston. Mm -hmm. then, like, and then I, all of that stuff came out. So. Yeah, so, like, you, he hasn't played in nearly 500 days. Yeah. So, and more importantly, as a competitor, like Deshaun Watson, like, we've seen him on the field. You're kind of itching to get back on that field to at least play. In some capacity, to at least show, like, yeah, I'm worth the all-guaranteed money that I was given. Like, I would argue, let's be real, if he doesn't get suspended, Cleveland's probably in the mix for the playoffs. Yes. And that's no knock on Jacoby Brissett and everything he's able to do, but when you see a quarterback that has certain limitations, it is what it is. Um, Honestly, I think, I, I think personally he's – I mean, obviously the Texans are the worst team in football. I think they're going to light the Texans up. I think he's going to come out. He's going to light him up. He's going to be doing his guitar celebration and everything, and they're going to rain down the boo-birds. And maybe, you know, he – I don't know. Like, uh, I was watching um, an interview with Shannon Sharp and Michael Vick, and, you know, Shannon asked Michael Vick if he had any advice for Deshaun on a situation like this. Obviously, their situations are a bit different, but just how handling it. He was like, if he can block out that noise and just focus on football and focus on doing the things that bring him joy, he could be back to playing then. I would argue that – I'll take it one step further. If he can come back, gain a chemistry with this team, and then in the offseason that Cleveland can, you know, take some whatever money they may have left and just bolster that roster, I would argue they're an automatic contender next year. We had this discussion before the yeah. year this year, and, you know, barring the suspension, I think you would not agree with me, but at least we're like, no, I could see that. Yeah. And I'm still going to – I'm going to believe in a guy who was, to me, the best quarterback in football when the last time he stepped off the field. No, I mean that. Okay. But also, yeah. But also for me, it's that sometimes in your life, regardless whether it's court of a public opinion or something you do, the fact that you're still in the league even after all this is, is a miracle. And I will say this. Sometimes you have to embrace being the villain. You are going to get booed wherever you go. You're going to get scrutinized at every little thing that you do. And, it, and there's nothing you could do about it but just go out and play football. So, Michael Vick's right. You got to block out that noise. And I believe Deshaun Watson, the talent, has the – if you can go back to playing, like even on a bad Houston, Texas team, you threw, still threw for four, 30 touchdowns or 4,800 yards. 
and that's fresh off of losing DeAndre Hopkins. You got to block out that noise. If you're able to block out that noise and if Cleveland's managed to get the upgrades or at least get yourself in the building to get more reps with Amari, get more reps with Njoku, Donovan with Peoples-Jones, then I think we can see that Sean Watson that was in that conversation, you know, as one of the top quarterbacks in the league when he last left, like like Mahomes, like A-Rod. Like Josh, yes. Yeah. So, no, I agree. Um, well, shoot, I mean, at this point, you know, let's we're starting from the bottom up through the playoffs, then, you know, let's start with the seven seed New York Jets. Yeah. Obviously a surprise this year. I think when a team arrives a year early, the only annoying part is when there's one piece of the cog that's kind of screwing it up. And it's like, you know what Zach Wilson we all do. Obviously, Brees Hall going down didn't really help, but it's crazy they're still playing well without him. Um, yeah, but also, it's like when you're one year early, it it's also a little dangerous because you're like, okay, what do we do now? 2012 Seahawks is what you do. They were a year early, and then the next year they came in knowing they were the best team in the league. Yeah. But also at the same time, if you're a year early, there's also a certain situation in which you kind of overcompensate, you overplay your hand. Like, like to me, like, like, like to me, it's two two sides of the same coin. Like we have, there's the 2012 Seahawks. Also, there's the 2012 Washington team. Also, I feel like they was a year early. Mm-hmm. RG three was lighting up the world. They decided to overplay their hand instead of protecting him. Then, bam, you lost. I would your argue that score. even if they, here's the thing, right? Zach Wilson gives me Carson Wentz vibes. Would you agree? I know. It's like, and I would argue Carson's first two years were way better than Zach's first two years, clearly. But just the fact that how many quarterbacks, and I don't care how cliche it is, I don't care if you're imagining a black quarterback, white, Mexican, if you close your eyes and after the game that they had and that loss to New England, right, that press conference, you already know what they're going to say. I need to be better as an offense. We need to be better. We let that defense down. Our defense played incredible today, and we couldn't do enough to get it done. I appreciate those guys. Sure, I watched Derek Carr cry at a press conference. And I'm not saying – but for him to be – Blinders. That far blinded to not even say – yeah, even if his answer was like, you know how like when a kid gets in trouble and like they don't want to admit that they know that they're in trouble, they're kind of like, yeah, I get it. Like, they're upset, but they're accepting of the consequences, right? Accountability. Accountability. That's he didn't even want to see. He was like, oh, no, I don't feel like we let them down at all. Huh? We held them to three points until a it took a punt return touchdown with 20 seconds left to beat us, and you don't feel like you let us down? I that mean, you couldn't put more than three points on the board, my guy? I mean, defense special teams. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you serious? They didn't – I think they had two yards in the second half, bro. How, Sway? How? So, I say that to say, um, yeah, for me, uh, the Jets, the Jets have a good problem, which is we have a really talented roster. We don't know what to do at quarterback. I don't think Wilson is a lost cause. The only way I would think he's a lost cause is if he's a lost cause up here. Is that fair? Yeah, that's true. The arm talent is there. I've seen him make throws that only A-Rod, the only Pat can make. I've seen it. He just needs to get it together up here. I was watching, um, was it Get Up? No, that wasn't the Get Up. It's maybe NFL Morning, yeah. whatever. Matt Hasselbeck, did you see that? So Matt Hasselbeck was telling the story. So he was Brett Favre's backup in Green Bay, obviously, when he first came in the league. He got traded to Seattle um, with Mike Holmgren. When Mike Holmgren left mm-hmm. and Dom Capers took over. Um, he, uh, he said Trent Dilfer was his backup. 
So, you know, he came out early in the year, kind of played like crap, you know, uh, and didn't want to take accountability, didn't understand. It was just like, oh, this is not my fault. And would argue back with coach and be like, oh, these guys. Trent Dilfer would come in as a veteran and somebody who appreciated having this job and appreciated what it took to be great at this, even if he wasn't, you know, great, quote, unquote, would say, yes, coach, I got you. All right, I got you next time, coach. So, yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know. Um, and that's what we talked about. It takes as great as you are in terms of being a starting quarterback. In the end, you need humility to to last in this league. Humility where it's like, okay, I'm no longer the guy, but I still need to do whatever it takes in order for me to get ready. That's why we think about, like, how is this guy still in the league? Because he accepted his role. He knows his limitations. He knows exactly what to say and what not to say. And he knows how to impress the coaches. There's a reason why Myers Fitzpatrick was playing until he was 40 years old. There's a reason why, even as bad and terrible as Nathan Peterman is, there's a reason why he's still in the league. Yep, because he comes, he knows all the plays, he knows the playbook. I mean, you, you can argue about like him throwing interceptions like like until the cows come home, but there's there's something about what he says. There's something about his preparation. There's something about you know coaching staffs that they like what they hear, they like what they see, they like in terms of what they seeing from him in practice in order for him to keep a job. Exactly, and I agree with you 110. percent um, but so, like as a fan, like you don't understand. Whereas like sometimes fans will get get on their high horse. Whereas like I don't understand how people are good job. Like analysts are like, okay, the more I watch in terms of certain things, in terms of certain tendencies, I'm like, yeah, I can understand why this guy's still in the league. Exactly. It's like uh, you know, but fans once again, we we you know we we do it here on the show. You know, we call people trash or them, but these guys are the highest level of athletes in the country. Yes. And there's a reason that if a guy's on the roster nine times out of ten, even if it's nepotism, hey, he might have been a good backup six years ago for this coordinator who's now a head coach, and he's like, I want you as my backup. He did his job and got a job. People in the real world do it all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know. It's um, just we're not getting six figures for it, and we don't have a camera in our face. Exactly. So, at seven and four, I'm going to do this for all the playoff teams. Obviously, the ones up towards the top won't even be in question, but at least the three wild card teams on each conference. Did the Jets make the playoffs? They do. They do? Okay. Who's to me, team? to me, it comes like like I said, like when you asked me that question, would you rather have a talented roster with a bad coach or would you rather have a good coach with a roster that needs some work? Yeah. And Robert Solid to me is an NFL level head coach. He's proven this to me. With this roster, in terms of what he's been able to do, squeeze out of that quarterback position and, you know, get as as young as his defense is for them to be at least a year or two ahead of schedule. Yes. Like yes, I'm. I like. I like. I like this Jets team. I like Robert Sala. Like I would literally run through a brick wall for that guy. Like, I like very, Robert very. Sala. There are like five coaches in the NFL right now. I would run through a brick wall right now. He's one of them. Yeah, no, I love Robert Sala. I love his press conference. I love how hype he is. Uh, I love that he's a proud Muslim man. Like I, I really like. I like. I like Robert Sala. Yeah. Okay, the sixth seed and Super Bowl runner-up, AFC defending champion, Cincinnati Bengals. They seem to be rounding in the form, obviously missing their two biggest weapons, Mixon and Chase Still. Joe Burrow has stepped up and proved that, you know, even if you thought that you were crazy, that, you know, those LSU, uh, that LSU year, those LSU highlights where he had all those weapons wasn't just a fluke, where he's now making it work with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, who are no slouches, but just, you know, some IJP Ryan is having a career resurgence. And If you're asking me, they'll make the playoffs, yes. Joe Mix is coming back. Jamar Chase is coming back. That offense is... That offense is still going to be extremely deadly when they get all when all 
when they get all their weapons, all their horses back. Exactly. No, they'll they'll definitely be able to uh, put some uh, put some pressure on a lot of folks. Yeah, and honestly, I'll go one better. I feel like they're gonna when those guys go healthy. I feel like they're gonna run the table and win the division. Ooh, now that's now that is a prediction. I do think healthy. In the word, the, I do it, think healthy. They're the best team. If you're talking right now, even with the showing yeah. on the Cleveland, they're healthy. They're the best team in the AFC North. Yes, but like Paul Heyman's like famous line, it's not a prediction. It's a spoiler. Mm, you that confident? Yes. Well, also, it's not like Baltimore has you know blown six one score leads or something like that. Yeah, it's not like you know Lamar Jackson is like throwing it to you know Devin Duvernay and. Whatever's left of Deshaun Jackson. Don't do that. Deshaun Jackson had a sixty yard catch. Anyway. Why you be do- you know what? I'm gonna let that go. I shouldn't have to ask you about this because you still want to keep your hopes alive for this Super Bowl matchup. The Buffalo Bills. Of course they're gonna make it. Okay. But we'll but uh, I'm not gonna lie, man. Oh, we're gonna get to him. We're gonna get to the eventual AFC East champion. I like Miami a lot, man. I like Miami a lot. I like McDaniel, too. I think he's hilarious. He reminds me of Nick Kroll's character from the league. Yeah. <laughs> I can't see that now. You can't? No, you'll never be able to see that now. Like, and also, I like, the, like, also the biggest thing is that Tua's healthy. And when Tua is healthy, they win. They I think they're 8-0 no this year when two is healthy. When he starts and finish games. Yes, he, they're 8-0, right? Or yes. something crazy like that? Yes. That's ridiculous. I think 6-0. That's ridiculous. Yes. So, you know, as long as they keep him upright, and it's crazy because they have all their picks. They have all their money because they're not really paying anybody except for Tyreek. They're going to only get better this offseason. Mm-hmm. So, well, they're still paying Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Wait, where's Byron Jones? Okay, Byron Jones. Yeah, Byron Jones is still, still on that team. Oh, anyway. <laughs> Don't do that. you talk about me being disrespectful. Anywho, the Baltimore Ravens, who, by the way, just lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars on the last second. Shout play. out to Dougie P. Shout Dougie out to, P. Shout out also, to- shout out to Trevor Lawrence having the best game of his career so far. Yeah, shout out to Sunshine. He was balling. Yeah. Like I said, they'll make it, but the Bengals are winning that division. I ain't mad at it. I ain't mad at it. Yeah, I am not mad at it. Okay, because I don't. Because to me, like I love, I love their roster. I like John Harbaugh, but I don't see this defense getting any better. Yeah, no, they're gonna make it. They're probably gonna wind up as a six or seven seed. Yeah. Um, probably go out in the first round. The only way I could see them, ironically. Advancing is if they get if they draw Cincinnati in the first round, because I think they owe Cincinnati. I think when you beat a team down so much like Cincinnati has the last I guess year and a half or last two years. Remember, Joe Burrow is like two highest passer rating games besides that Chiefs game. I yeah. think are against the Bills. You know what? I mean, not the Bills. The Bills, excuse me, against the Ravens. All right. Real quick. Um, also, do you have a hot take on any of the AFC stuff? Yeah. Um. Miami will be the number one seed. The road to the Super Bowl goes through South Beach. Why do you do that, man? What? See, ladies and gentlemen, I need—I just want y'all to know. <laughs> 
I've been do I've been talking sports with this man for the past eighteen years since sixth grade, Miss Shatney's class, to be particular, Henry C. Lee Middle School. Yep. For whatever reason, whenever we have, you know, this bold idea or like, you know, this thing that we have on our minds that's like been killing us, and when it's said out loud, we're like, How come I wasn't the person to say it first? And what you just heard right now is another classic case of that, because that was my bold prediction. Also, <laughs> they're they're the hottest offense in the league. Yes, they can score with Kansas City, so they ain't scared of Kansas City at all. Their defense is very underrated. Those Jalen Phillips and those young guys on the D line, D line can get after you. Um, you obviously talked about Xavier and, and Byron Jones. That those two, that's not slouches at center. Um, and they have some some young talent at linebacker. Uh, Mike McDaniel's Tyreek Hill, like, come on now. Like, I'm just saying, I know, you know, everybody doesn't want to see, everybody wants to see the Buffalo and Kansas City rematch, but the best game might be Miami-Kansas City. That might be the best game if we're talking great. Remember, Miami beat Kansas City last year. People forget that. Mahomes threw three interceptions. So, Tua's got to win. So, Tua ain't scared. And remember, Joe Burrow walked in the Arrowhead. I'll say this, and got that was also year. that was also a Brian Flores led defense. Also, I understand that, but a lot of those same guys are here. Still, so. much as I love Brian Flores, I'm just saying. So I I think I think if you're going to get even bolder, the AFC title game will be in Miami, and it's going to be Miami versus Kansas City. Okay. Yeah. Um. I mean, then obviously the one seed, we know the Chiefs are going to make the playoffs. Uh, there's really nothing more to say about the Chiefs. At this point, I know dynasty is a word that we throw around all the time in sports and teams that don't have one championship dang sure can't be a dynasty. I think baseball is a little different because I think you get a longer time frame if you keep your core together. But um, I'm not going to call this Chiefs run a dynasty. I'm going to just call it a run. Um, this run since Patrick Mahomes has taken over in 2018, they've been to the AFC title game every year. They've been to the Super Bowl twice. Um, they have one ring to show for it. And you could argue that, you know, obviously we talked about Miami, but if we're being honest, they're probably the favorite still this year. They're the Boston Celtics. Yes. Unlike, you know, the KG. Those, yeah, those KG Pierce Boston Celtics, yes. 100%. No, 100%. Um, you know, obviously Big Red has, you know, gotten that coaching monkey off his back. But it will be interesting to see it. I would argue uh, Zach Taylor outcoached him last year in the AFC title game. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, this year he gets back to being able to out-scheme guys for a ring instead of just, excuse me, relying on Patrick. I just realized there there could be a scenario in which the divisional round could be the uh, if Miami gets the number one seed, Miami versus Buffalo and Miami, mm-hmm. and you get the AFC title rematch. With Cincinnati going to Kansas City. Yes. That is, I mean, that's, you can't ask for better than that on Divisional Sunday. Yeah. You really can't. And there's also a scenario in which all the NFC East teams could play each other also in the Divisional Round also. That is very true, which would be hilarious for as many years we call it. All those games are going to be highest rated games because nobody watches. Because remember, we're football. We are the National Football League. The NFC East. We are. The NFC Beast. So, let's start with number seven, a team that we both begrudgingly have to admit that we really like, the Washington Commanders. Um, Ron Rivera, former member of the 85 Bears. Uh, They'll keep their spot. Huh? They'll keep their spot. Yes. And 
I feel like Seattle might have lost their chance to make the playoffs, I'll be honest. I feel like the Commanders are rolling. Now, there's room for the Giants to fall apart. And to Seattle, me, I feel like home. I feel like momentum is a thing. And I the Giants like, hold the tiebreaker with Seattle, remember? Yeah. I mean, regardless, sorry, Seattle holds the tiebreaker with them. I'll, yeah, that's to me, I'll say this. I feel like the Washington knows who they are. They're gaining momentum. I feel like that's what they continue to compound on. And I feel like at that point, it's a, it's a free ball because which team is it's going to come down to the Giants or Seattle trying to keep in that wild card. And honestly, as much as I'm like, oh, all NFC East teams might make the playoffs, look at Seattle's next uh, upcoming games. Okay, give it to me. The, at, at the Rams. Winnable. Carolina. Winnable. San Fran. That's going to be a tough one. but that's, a home, to, that's also a home game, but, you know. It's, it's going to be a tough game. Yeah. At Kansas City. So even if you go two and one during that stretch, that puts yeah. you at eight and six. Yes. Okay, and then you get Kansas City. Let's say you're at eight and seven at that point. Yeah. And then who you got for the last two games? The Jets and the Rams. Ooh, and the Jets are still gonna be playing for playoff position. I don't know, dude. And I'm just saying, I know it's week eighteen, the Rams are probably gonna be out of it, mathematically eliminated, but you don't think they wouldn't take a little bit of joy in making sure that Pete Carroll and the Seahawks don't make the playoffs? You don't think McVay would enjoy that? Oh, I oh yeah, I think they will. But but look at the Giants games. You have to play Washington twice. Yes. You have to play Philadelphia twice. You have to play Minnesota in Minnesota on Christmas Eve. And you got Indy. And shoot, Indy could kind of be in it at the end, so they might be playing for something. Well, no, they lost last week. They're five seven one. I think it's a wrap for them. Okay, yeah. so you're going Giants. You're going Seahawks to make it instead of the Giants. Yes. Okay. Because not only they, I think like just on paper the Giants have a tougher schedule. I don't think they're going to get any better because of all those injuries. They've lost too much. Okay. Number five seed. The Dallas Cowboys. I think they're a lock. Yeah, they're a lock. They're a lock. As much as it hates me, it pains me to say that. They they do too many things well. And I'll gamers. listen. Here's the only compliment I'll ever give Dallas. You lean it if you lean into Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott as opposed to trying to make Dak Prescott look like the guy trying to throw the 35 or 40 times a game. You'll get to the Super Bowl. That's it. That's a fact. Yeah. I think they could beat us if they run the ball. Honestly, I'm just glad they're too dumb. <laughs> That's the only thing I'm banking on is them being stupid. Okay, number four seed, the five and six <laughs> Buccaneers. Who scared the crap out of me? And everybody's like, why? And I'm just like, I don't trust Tom Brady and getting in the playoffs and not making something happen at least. <laughs> All right. Tampa Tom and the Buccaneers. They're a team where it's like, oh, they get in, they'll know exactly what they're doing. Because yep. they've and if been they're healthy in. too. Okay, yeah. let's look at it. New Orleans, who historically Tom Brady has struggled against ever since coming to the NFC South. Yes. San Fran in San Fran. <sighs> Ooh. Cincinnati, Ugh. and then it gets easy. You got Arizona, Carolina, then Atlanta to finish the division. Well, at that point, Atlanta, that game for against that Atlanta. That could be for the division. division. Yo, week 18 against them. If Marcus Mariota beats Tom Brady and a, and a winner goes to the playoffs game, I'm going to make a bold prediction. Atlanta's going to the playoffs. Okay. I think Mariota's been laughed at and joked at, but don't forget, Marcus Mariota took teams to the playoffs before. This is a guy who's been in big games. This is a guy who, yes, he has some of the worst 
quarterback throwing mechanics I've ever seen. But he's a guy who's a gamer. Once again, we talk about that. Being a gamer, being someone who knows who you and are. And he's won a playoff game. But come, a come from behind playoff victory reminder against the Chiefs. Yep, where he caught his own touchdown pass. And that was also the Derrick Henry breakout game. It was the Derrick. That was the Derrick Henry game, wasn't it? Yeah. So, um, you know, that's my bold prediction on the NFC side of the slate is that Atlanta will somehow overtake <laughs> Tampa and make the playoffs in the most like, ooh, who wants to play this team thing ever? And Dallas is just going to be sitting there at the five seat like, <laughs> Atlanta. Atlanta. <laughs> No, they're going to be like, oh, thank God it ain't Tampa. Yo, no, seriously. I literally think that's what it's going to be. I think literally their whole entire mindset is 100. Because didn't Tampa beat uh, Dallas earlier this year? Right? Yes. Okay. So they're 19 whole, to 3. Yes. So their whole entire mindset, and that was with Dak. Yes. Their whole entire mindset is going to be, we don't got to play Tom. Yep. So, so I, let's look. Atlanta's schedule is Pittsburgh. Winnable. At New Orleans. Winnable. At Baltimore. Tough game, but winnable. Honestly, it depends on who got the lead in the fourth quarter. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Who's going to blow the lead first? Arizona, then, you know, you obviously have the big game against. <laughs> I mean, on the eighth. that's a winnable schedule. That's a – you could go I in nine and eight. One, two, three more wins? Yeah. I, look, so that's at, least, at least three. That Baltimore game is still in the air. So you're saying three wins, and that's not counting the Tampa game, right? Yeah, that's eight and seven. So that's eight and seven. So let's just call it an even eight and eight, right? Yeah. And let's just say – Tampa's ain't even eight and eight. Yep. That game is for the division. The yep. winner gets in at nine and eight. I think, ten, I'm, yo, if Atlanta gets in, that would be incredible. All right, and the three seed, the team that we think is the most dangerous besides us and besides Dallas in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers at seven and four. I mean, what more can really be said? Uh, Garoppolo's back balling again. <laughs> I think it's ironically hilarious that now all of a sudden, like, there's not a quarterback controversy, but it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, what did you – Literally, all right. You just trade. You traded another because they traded a first round pick for McCaffrey, right? So in the last year, well, you they traded, traded second. In the last year, you traded three first and a second for a quarterback and a running back, where you could have still got CMC. You could have just paid Garoppolo, and you could have used those picks on other players, right? Like in theory, right? Can you imagine Micah Parsons on this team? That's stupid. That's stupid. Him and him and him, him and Nick Bosa. Are you are you like are him, him and Fred, Fred Warner? Warner? Are you kidding me? Like we talk about like as much as we love Smitty. Like I don't know. I think I'm like Michael Parsons over Smitty. You know we keep it quiet because you know we we'll upset people. But if I'm redrafting, I take Michael Parsons instead of Smitty. I'm sorry. I was like, that's one contingent for Justin Fields. Anywho, uh, <laughs> I will not be silenced. <laughs> Yo, listen, right wing podcaster, Joe Rogan guy. All right, listen, you keep your conspiracy theories about Justin Fields on this team to yourself. Hear me out. All the stuff we doing. But with Justin Fields? Yes. Hear me out. Why not just get C.J. Stroud in there? Because him, because him and Justin Fields aren't the same player. Stroud's mobile. Where? He can run. Where? He, he can, I, I am sick and tired of y'all saying, oh, he can run. Where? He just don't. It's the, just because I can fight, I don't, though. It's the difference. No, no, no. I, this, this dude can't run. He had multiple opportunities in that. Where you, like, scramble. Don't. Oh, you know what? Since we almost done with the playoffs, we do got to discuss oh the college football playoffs. <laughs> I hate y'all. 
Chris was very inactive on Twitter that day for some reason. No, first of all, I was very active. Oh, I you just didn't engage my tweets. Yeah, yeah no, because clearly. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. When did you become a Michigan fan? I'm not a Michigan fan. I just want to see the world burn. <laughs> oh, I forgot. First what. of all, I do like me some Michigan. I'm not a Michigan fan, but you know I was a Chad Henney boy, Mario Manningham, Brandon Chad Edwards. Henny, well, I hear Mike you. Mike Hart. You know the gang. You I know. know. No, 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 Gang no, activities. No, no, you would not. No, not, that's what you're not going to do. You the just, Shoelace Robinson? No, listen. You disrespect Jason Avon. You're not, you're not, you're on roof of Michigan. I love John Ryan. John Ryan. Anyway. I love BG. What you mean? What you mean? Oh, you like BG? It's my guy. So you, so you weren't with me. Was not, You was Mr. Screaming Earl Tide. You was about to kill uh, Howie. Not me. I was like, all right, cool. Oh, really? You, so, 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 do we do this draft? Who you taking, Brandon Graham or Earl Thomas? Brandon Graham. Who's still in the league right now? <laughs> got, they both got rings. So, what you saying? So, what you? So, what you saying? What do you mean? What I'm saying? Earl Thomas. He, who's all? Who's who's longer to be an All Pro? Well, never mind. I'm sorry. Where, where's all? Where's Brandon Graham's All Pros at? Where that ring at? Where's the Pro Bowls at? Who we had, had the we, greatest strip sack in Super Bowl history? Who had the most dominating performance in Super Bowl history? Made, as a team, who made the greatest strip sack in Super Bowl history? Chris, answer the question. The Seahawks had the greatest defensive performance. Now answer my question. All right, cool. But who's the best player? Who's the defensive player on that team? Now, now you're trying to you not answer. I answered your question. No, 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 no. Who had the greatest strip sack in Super Bowl history? Von Miller. It be old people. You hear this, Brandon Graham. So whenever we get these media credentials <laughs> to slide to the stadium, do not shake this man here. No. He is an op. Listen, I am an op. I'm an Ohio State fan, so obviously I'm an op. By... <laughs> but you're an Eagle fan first. I know. Oh, all right. I'm just saying. He's, a, mil- he's, wearing, he's been wearing green longer than he's been wearing blue. Okay, Remember cool. That. All right, cool. But you can't erase those colors. Yeah, I think you that, might want to erase them out your memory. Listen, listen, listen. You can never forget where you come from. Yeah. And, well, it's like we told Cody Parker. you can never forget where y'all going to Tostitos Fiesta <laughs> I'm sorry. Where's Texas playing at? Don't do that. Oh, don't do what? <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Hook them horns. Um, <laughs> oh, 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 my bad. Oh, I'm sorry. Where's Miami playing at? Are they even bowl eligible? They are bowl eligible. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> I know what my team she y'all was the number one team in the country besides Georgia. I'm sorry. All year. And folded when it mattered most. I'm sorry. Since you want to start throwing bars got, and jabs. I, first of all, I gotta take this from a dude that got cooked by Pittsburgh. They did get cooked by <laughs> 16 by Pittsburgh. Y'all got cooked in your own crib. Listen. Y'all got cooked in your own crib in the biggest game of Ryan Day's career. Oh no, I'm sorry. That's not what happened. Y'all actually got cooked by Devontae Smith in the biggest game of Ryan Day's career. There's an ongoing pattern on that. See, it's not the players. Players did everything they could. It was the coaching. <laughs> by the way, if y'all have never seen that meme, it's one of the GOAT memes. And, <laughs> it's, it, and it's actually from here, the Island of Eagles. Really? Yes. That's so funny. It's the, and y'all, y'all did everything y'all could. It's the coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, Freeman used to play for them. Yo, I'm dead. Every time I show him that club, he's like, it still warms my heart. These guys still suck. <laughs> My heart that they still suck. Yo. So um obviously, you know, I'm giving Chris a lot of flack. Uh obviously if you guys listen to the show, you know Chris is a big Buckeyes fan. Um <laughs> yo, it was so you know, that I'm, Saturday was the game. I would say arguably the biggest version of the game since the 04 version. Oh six. The, the was that the 06? No. Nope. 
Was that the Chad Henney, Troy Smith, Chad Ginn, Mike yeah. Hart? Was that that game where, where where y'all won, but it was like 49 to 38 or something like that? I was just watching, funny enough, I was just watching the highlights of that on YouTube last night. Um, yeah, no, that was on six. Okay. So, you know, Ohio State over the last, I would say, I guess, eight years since Zeke made his – Amazing run to run y'all into the, the, the college football championship. Six years. That was 2016? Was that yeah. the year he came out? Yeah, 2016. Okay, so it's been six years. Over the last six years, you're going to argue that besides Alabama in that one year of LSU, you guys have been the most consistently talented football and team Georgia. in the country. I would even, no disrespect to Georgia, I would say Georgia maybe the last two years because Georgia's folded. You know, they couldn't beat Bama. They couldn't beat y'all. You know what I mean? So, you know, last year they finally won it all. Um but, like, all jokes aside, what is, what is not clicking for y'all? It just feels like every time it's like you guys have the most talent on the field, you guys keep getting amazing players where you got the Marvin Harrison Juniors, where you got the Chase Youngs, you got the Jackson and Big Smiths, and all these all these guys. Oh, okay. I got that. What is, what is the problem? Why can't you guys reach the brass ring again? Coaching. You thought I was joking. No, it's actually coaching. You want Urban Meyer back, don't you? No, I do not. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Uh, you don't want to say it out loud? Chris, people don't see this, but Chris is doing that face where no, he's like, I'm, I don't want to admit that out loud. First of all, no. But I have to be a pun. <laughs> no, no. First of all, no. I, we cannot do that. Why? Why? Okay. Besides the fact that it's a toxic relationship, because I love the cultural or like real life parallels of stuff. Yes, it's very toxic for you. I want, I want Coach Prime. Yes, that's my that, that's my pipe dream. That's my delusion. I'm sorry. I, this is going to sound wild, calling on the air, and I really don't care. I do not want Dion coaching at the whitest school possible. Yeah, I know. That's why it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's the most pure blood school you can it possibly. It is the be. white. That is the Slytherin of, <laughs> of Power Five schools. <laughs> Yo, so no, no. I I mean, but I I'll be honest though. Y'all getting prime would be awesome. Yeah, it would be awesome. I do think he's going to take a power five job within the next three to four years. Don't let it be Colorado. Why you say Colorado? No, Colorado already offered him a job. I'm like, don't take that. Oh, God. Ugh. I mean, he could probably turn Colorado around, but. No, nah. don't do that. Why? Why? Isn't Colorado in the Big Ten? Or no, they're Big 12. Big tw- no, they're Pac-12. Colorado's Pac-12. No, I don't think Colorado's Pac-12. No, they're not ACC. You might be right though. Colorado might be Pac-12. Pac-12, yeah. The Pac-12, yeah. all right. The Pac-12, all right. Oh, I mean, hey, listen, Pac-12 is sweet. No one's going to Colorado, bro. If they want to play for, no one was going to Jackson State, bro. <laughs> like, let's be real. No, let's be. Oh, timeout. That's that, let's be. That's all, different. That's different though. Let's be real about something. Let's be all the way real about something. Dudes do not care about going to HBCUs when it comes to sports. The only people who we know who go to HBCUs is smart kids and kids who care about their culture. Let's be all the way real here, bro. Like, let's keep it all the way buck. Let's drop all the kid gloves, all the pearls, and break the fourth wall. When dudes are top athletes, they're not like, man, I'm considering Jackson State and Grambling. No, they're waiting for a letter from Ohio State. They're waiting for letters from Bama. They're waiting for letters from Georgia. Okay. So, let me ask you this question. If – you're a wide receiver, mm-hmm. and you had an opportunity. It was like, oh, cool! You get to play with you know, Dion in Colorado, or you get to go. You're getting offered to go play with Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams at USC. What are you taking? Hmm. 
<coughs> okay. I'll put it to you like this. The first couple of years, I'd take the USC deal. He has to build that program. Exactly. People aren't just going to. But it was the same thing with Jackson State. He wouldn't have. Okay. Travis Hunter. You're aware who Travis Hunter yeah, is, correct? I'm, I'm aware. Okay. Travis Hunter's a corner slash wide receiver, right? He was the number one ranked guy in his high school class. And he committed to Jackson Street. Jackson Street. Jackson State off of the strength of Dion. I think more cats will do that because here's the thing, right? All these programs are great. All this NIL is great. Don't ever forget that college is a means to an end. Right? So if I'm Deion Sanders and I walk in your house, right? Yeah. And Lincoln Riley didn't walk in here. He's like, I got Caleb Williams for you. You know, you're going to be getting all these targets and da 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 And then Deion comes in and says, I can get you to the NFL. Straight like that. You can say in your mind all, all you want that you're going to USC. You're going to someone who's proven as to be the best player at their position ever. So the amount of work he's going to show you to put in, the amount of preparation he's going to show you to put in, the amount of experience that he can bestow and wisdom that he can bestow upon those guys is an advantage that most guys don't. Think about it like this. What great player is really a great coach? Really think about it. Like, I really want you to think in the annals of any sport. Shoot, basketball too, you can add that in. Who do you know? Baseball kind of is like, because some great baseball players are good baseball players. But on average, I want you to name me a Hall of Famer who is also a Hall of Fame coach. Mike Singletary. Stop. Love Mike Singletary. He might be a Hall of Famer, but stop. Can't do it. Can't win with him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why you do that to Brother Davis? <laughs> can't, do, can't do it. I've been I've uh, like winners. My, uh, what do you can't 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 do what, Mike? Um, your offense scored twelve points, <laughs> and your defense gave up thirty. Yo, <laughs> but no. So the reason I say that, right, is would you not say that? Having Dion as your head coach offers you a unique experience and perspective from someone who's played, oh. not just played in the league, right? It's one thing to have a coach that's played in the league. Mike Dicka, all these guys, Dick, I would say, is the closest to a great coach, a great player. Um, and you see, you know what I mean? But a guy who's played at the top. Yeah. At every, at every level he's been in, at every sport that he's played in. A guy who is at the top is a yeah, businessman. I, I understand. I get that. But also, you got to think. If you're a quarterback, look at all the quarterbacks that have go- have gone to the NFL. To have, if you're not even going to say like all all pro Pro Bowl level, at least Pro Bowl level success in the league under Lincoln Riley, Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield was a decent quarterback for the past few years before. Obviously, you know he fell apart. Yeah, yeah. Kyler Murray got a massive contract extension. Caleb Williams, for all intents and purposes, might be the next big thing. And everybody's already doing the Patrick Mahomes comparison because obviously, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the guy you compare it to everybody now. You can scramble a bit and make crazy throws while you're scrambling, you're Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Which before it was you were A Rod. Yeah. Also, now you also have the backing of USC, which is a historic program. You're going to be playing the They California. just got historic in the last 20 years. It's giving Patriots vibes, dude. Come on now. Let, also, the 18 year old kid, you're like. Listen, as you gotta love football if you're gonna commit to count if you're gonna play even if it's prime. You gotta love football. But if you're this play is. In but Colorado. did you see? Um, I don't know if these were serious tweets or just a serious things he posted on his story. But he was like, "If you don't like, if you're too soft for coaching, I'm not the coach for you. If you don't want to work hard, I'm not the coach for you. If you 
think your mama's opinion is more important to me. I'm not the coach for you. All these superlatives to say that. I'm not saying that. All right. What would you quantify as success if he went to Colorado? Because Colorado's never won a championship, right? They've never been a top-tier program. But let's just say he takes the Colorado job. Just for, just for craps and gigs. Let's say he takes the Colorado job. In your mind, if you close your eyes, what is successful for him in that role? Top 25. Okay, then. So if we're not saying that he doesn't have to turn them into – most people can't turn a program into Alabama overnight. Most people can't turn a program into Georgia. You got to think about how many teams really have national championship, multiple national championships. I'm not, I'm not saying window. turn that program around. I'm just saying like when <laughs> you're in a bit like Jackson State, like obviously like there's no expectation when it comes to Jackson State. Rock we come to recruit your son plays there, your daughter plays basketball there. But that's off the strength. Yeah, that's off the strength. But because if he would have went to Mississippi State, if he would have went to Colorado, that's probably where they would have went. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But also, I'm just saying like in a program like that, like like you're. You're not going to have a better recruiting class in Oregon. You're probably not going to have a better cl- recruiting class than, let's just say, you know, Chip Kelly, who's been at it for oh. years over at UCLA. Bless you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, I do agree. With, okay. I agree that at first, because I think in any transition that he does, whether he goes to any Power 5 school, right? I just think Colorado is a bad example because I agree with you. No one wants to go to Colorado. But like, also to me, <laughs> come to, on, that's like that's no, to me. It's also it's just like I don't want him to end up being Herm Edwards, where it's like no one could turn Arizona State into a powerhouse or whatever expectations you had when you initially hired him to begin with, mm-hmm. and then because of what happens in Colorado, if they don't turn the program around, and then he eventually was like, you know, I had enough of this. It ruins it. It put, it puts a stain on his record. That's, to me, the biggest issue that I have in regards to him. It's not the fact that I don't think he can do it. It's the fact that our, I know how this game is played in regards to how they do black coaches. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. His lease should be short. I would say if he signs a five-year contract, he has three of those to at least be ranked in the top 15 Yeah, at some point. I can agree with you on that. I just also think it has to be the right job because, like he said, and I think this was on the I Am Athlete John when he was talking about, like, would you take a Power 5 job? He was like, of course I would. It would have to be the right job. Yeah. So to I, me, like, if you go to, like, a – uh, that's SEC job, like come on. If, if Florida State opens up, that's perfect. Oh yeah, absolutely. If Florida have to, yeah, he would have to. I think he couldn't if they fire Willie Taggart. But that's the other thing. I think with Willie Taggart there, he's not going to want to step on his homie's toes. Yeah. So that might that might be my only reason of thinking that Florida State will be off the table. Yeah. But if it's like Miami, something like that, UCF, something where he home and he and he comfortable. Yeah. And then here's the thing, right? And I don't want to make everything a race thing. I don't want to make everything a money thing, but. If you just say, right, I'm not saying Florida State and Bama have the same amount of money, right? But I will say this. If Florida State can give a guy a million and Bama can give a guy a million, right? Let's just say base-level endorsement deals, right, or helping with endorsement, right? And Nick Saban comes to your door and Deion Sanders comes to your door. You could say, oh, I'm going to go to play for Nick Saban, right? Yeah. I don't believe everybody's going to think that. I don't because it's easy to say that now because of his reputation. In his egg, exactly. It's also easy to say that now because one is coaching Jackson State, one is coaching at Alabama. But if Dion has come in, he's brought, let's say, not Shador, because by the time he would even take one of these jobs, Shador would probably even be on the way to the league or trying to get in the league. But let's say he takes this job, and let's give it a two-year window, right? He gets his, a bunch of his young guys to come in. Mm-hmm. He gets a you know a good recruiting class, some guys you didn't expect. He does expect. some local recruiting also. Does some local, that's I think Florida would be the best place for him because I think he'll have an advantage over everyone. Yeah. Because he's a guy down there. So, and then you ask me, 
all right, if Nick Saban comes to my door and if Dion comes to, me, to my listen, door. Listen, yeah, like I said, Colorado to me is not the ideal job. But no. if he gets a job in Florida, whether it's Central Florida, Florida State, Miami. Shoot, USF. USF. <laughs> like, like Bethune-Cookman. Miami. Ooh, him as the Hurricanes coach would be ill. Even though he's – but he's a he's a, he's a Seminole. He probably never will. <laughs> Oh, like, no, no, no. Listen, if that ever happens, Michael Irvin putting him on speed, I was like, oh, all about the you, huh? <laughs> all about, it's about the you, baby. He's like, how'd you get It's it? 6 a.m. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like playmate, I love you, man, but it's 6 in the morning, man. I got, <laughs> dog, I love you, dog, but it's 6 in the morning. Dog, man, we doing a morning run, man. I ain't got to lose. All right, cool, man. I'm about to go on first take. I'm about to go on first take. Oh, I'm sorry, that was rude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Am I wrong though? Anyway, <laughs> thank you. That's all I needed. But no. Um, anyway, it just has to be the right job. It, has, it, to. it has to. If it's a Florida job, then Prime is perfect. Yes, and I think he'd start. He would start scaring these. And the other thing, right, is I want you to think of any big program. Close your eyes and just think of any big program. Who has a black coach? Who has a, who's a black who's a big program that matters right now on the grand scale of college football that's a black coach? Penn State, that's it. That's it. So just right then and there, someone that can understand your culture, someone that's gonna let you play young someone that could have young dog come into your locker room. Someone that can have an NLE Chopper, uh, 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 these these dudes who respect Deion, because even if they don't, they uncle's like, Yo, that's Deion Sanders, bro. You better do that. And the thing is, is that it takes the right coach in order for you to implement your programs. So think about it. Alabama wasn't like like Alabama. This. Alabama was trash for a long time. Yeah, That's what the funniest Saban, thing. Until Saban got there. Remember, it was all about the Florida schools, like up until like the nineties and the two thousands. It was Miami, it was University of Florida, Florida State. Yeah. Notre Dame was a, a power at one point. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, so like if the if that job if a job in Florida opens up, maybe that shifts the power and balance that because all those other schools are gonna be like. All of those schools in Florida with all those top talents because Florida is one of the most competitive football Biggest states. Biggest hotbed, and you could call it the best talent bed for football in the country. Kind of. Yeah, like it's them, it's them, Texas, and California. That's really where all the players come from. Yeah, exactly. So at that point, if let's just say he takes the Florida State job, Miami's going to be like, well, if Mario Cristobal, like, yo, we can't let him come in here first year and take all our talent. No, we need to up our game also. Like, same with you. Like, it, then at that point, Florida football is going to be back. Exactly. I would be excited to see that. So, our four-team college playoff as it stands right now. Yeah. Georgia, Michigan, TCU, TCU and USC. Who's your champion? Georgia. Georgia back-to-back? Yeah. Who has the best, best shot to beat them? Michigan. Mm. So, your rematch, your college football championship is the rematch? Yeah. If they can get Blake Horn back healthy, then that's going to be a really good game. And I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway about that, um, the game, you know, my my Michigan versus Ohio State is that J.J. McCarthy can throw. Yeah. And I feel like if Corn was healthy, they would obviously be a lot more run-oriented. And I don't think Harbaugh would have the confidence that he would have saw, like obviously, you know, with J.J. With JJ throwing the football. Yeah. And, uh, who was that guy, James Cornelius? Uh, Cornelius Johnson, Donovan Bell. Dude, what's up with you guys' secondary? What secondary? Fair. Have y'all not had a good secondary since? We haven't had a good secondary since Urban Meyer left. 
Yeah, he could really recruit corners. Yeah. Coach corners for some reason. Like, all our corners right now are converted wide receivers or, like, converted offensive players. Really? Yeah. That is not a good sign. Yeah. And it was weird because I felt like, you know, as much as we've fallen in love with him, obviously being Philly kids, being Marvin Harrison fans as kids, all of that, MHJ was, like, really absent on they, Saturday. They didn't throw to him. And it was weird. It was like you would think you'd go to your best the, player. And like I said, the issue was coaching. Uh, from the defensive side of the ball, you know, they did not uh, – they were daring J.J. McCarthy to throw. So that's why they only played one single safety high and they kept. But we did not – But. Our pass rush is really good, but like none of, none of the guys got home. Even when we send us, but we that that Michigan O line is one of the best. Yeah, it is. Ball. But even still, then like to not even breathe on JJ McCarthy at all, even with sending all those guys, even with sending the dogs to him, it's crazy. It's crazy. And also the issue with the offense is that it's kind of the same issue I had last year with the Philadelphia Eagles. Why are you not using the middle of the field? There is no reason why you do not have Marvin Harrison Jr. like on the thirty two drag routes. Doing drag routes, doing slants. Here's the thing. Say what you want about Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer will use rub routes until the wheels will fall off. That's how we that, – that, that one year we beat them 62-39 to 39 with Dwayne Haskins. All we did was run rub routes. Paris Campbell would just chew and just eat off those rub routes like all game long. So I don't get how coaches cannot use the middle of the field. Like that, Yeah, it's a very weird thing. I was like, well, it's like, I'm just like, oh, why are we doing the – Okay, we're doing bubble screens again. Cool, that's cute. <laughs> no, no, I, uh, I 100% agree with you. I would also say, okay, so, okay, so your champion is is Georgia. Yeah, okay. I think it's going to be Georgia versus Michigan. Okay, okay. Um, make the case for TCU if there is one, I, even I, if it's a small case. Make the case for. <laughs> I like Quentin Johnson. <laughs> that's it. They're well coached. They're not built for a play. They're not built. I feel like when you watch the college football playoffs, it's all about physicality. So, like, all the cute stuff that, you know, that you're used to seeing from, like, Big 12 teams, it's, it doesn't – it's not sustainable, like, watching a That's team. That's why but, whenever there's a Big 12 representative in the college football they playoffs, they always get cooked. Whether it was Kyler a couple of years ago, whether it was yeah. Jalen last year. Yeah. It was like they, they just always – Baker – again, no, Baker balled against – um, was that Georgia? No, I think that was Bama. Was that that Rose Bowl? Was that – Remember, yeah. there was one that went to overtime, right? I'm not making that up. It might have been Georgia. Yeah. College football playoff. And I don't want to feel like I'm making that up. It's 2017, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, won the Heisman Trophy. Big Championship. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah. They yeah they lost to the Bulldogs, 54-48. That's, okay, cool. I knew I wasn't tripping. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that was the last good showing from a Big 12 team in the college football playoff. Yeah, because like I think like the year after that, Jalen Hurts played, and they got ran off the field by LSU. No, no, no. You're reversing it. Kyler got ran off the field by Bama. And then Kyler got ran off field. Then after the year after that, it was Jalen got ran off field by LSU. Yes, yeah. So no, those big toes, and also probably why Lincoln Riley was like, "I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I, yeah. Y'all can't play no defense here, and we can't recruit no defenders." Like yeah, that. so I'm gonna go to USC where we play a little less defense, but it's gonna we're gonna be playing at 12 o'clock at night. <laughs> and I live in Cali. 
<laughs> like, pretty sweet deal. I'm not even going to hold you. Oh, and I'm taking my quarterback, too. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, yeah, I didn't tell you my quarterback and two of your receivers are in the transfer portal. See you. Bye. <laughs> yeah, yo, Spencer, yo, I'm already in South Carolina, bro. <laughs> I'm out of here. Spencer Rattler been cooking, by the way. Yeah, for the last two weeks. Right? I wonder if he's going to wind up getting drafted this year. Oh, God. <laughs> but couldn't you see him being a guy getting drafted in the third or fourth round, like kind of ending up in the right situation and getting a chance to be a pretty okay starter? I'm not even going to say he's going to be good, but like, you can see him be effective in I, I the league. I can see that. Just, I'm not, yeah, don't draft him in the first round. No, dude, heck dear, no, dear, no, dear, no. Dear God, no. No, you get him in the third or fourth, though. You're excited about that. Yeah. I think so. Um, Well, you know, I guess we got uh, 20 minutes left. Um, Yeah. So, real quick. Um, Obviously, one of the other bigger news stories that came out was obviously the old picture back in 1957. Oh God! By Jerry Jones. Your boy Stephen A. was uh, was was offended. Yeah. I gotta ask, like, when you were just saw that picture and like, which is funny because I think I've seen that picture thousands of times. Yeah. Right. Never paid attention to Jerry. Yeah. Jones. So obviously, if for context. Uh, owner Jerry Jones is the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, yep. and there's an old picture back in Little Rock, 1957. Little Rock, um, you know, black black students were trying to desegregate Central High in Little Rock in 1957, and Jerry jo- and with a little red dot, it actually showed that Jerry Jones was one of those 14, 15 year old kids uh, in the in the crowd. He wasn't specifically confronting them; he was just in the crowd. And when asked about it, he said he was, he was just. He was got a curiosity. So one of my favorite Twitter followers, if y'all listen to the show, uh, Dragonfly Jones, you should check him out on Twitter. He's hilarious. His retweet game is great. His tweet game is great. But um, his tweet about this is how I feel about this situation. He said, you had 60 years to come up with an excuse, and that's the week behind excuse you used is I was curious. Like, I just like, what, what did people say? He was like, was they like, yeah, we about to go over here and heckle and mess with these black kids. He said, I might fall through and see what the vibe's like. Like, that's the equivalent of what he said. It was like, oh, I might slide. That's like you like, yeah, no, we're going to go pick on these uh d- disabled kids over in uh over at this school. You trying to slide? Oh, I might come through for a little bit. Oh, I wasn't messing with them. What were you there for in general? Why? Like, why? Why? Do, what? It's no way you can say, even if you try to tell me you're not racist, you have no racist bone in your body, that's not what I meant. Bro, y'all killed George Stamey. Y'all killed Emmett, too. How many y'all kill countless fourteen and fifteen year old boys as much as y'all say we kill each other every day? I mean, shoot, we can even go to modern Tamir Rice, Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown. So we've the uh, police officers who are supposed to be the upholders of the law, but we're not even gonna get to that because that's gonna be more than twenty minutes. Um, <laughs> police uphold the police who supposed to be upholders of the law can't even discern whether a fourteen and fifteen year old deserves to live. But I'm supposed to give grace to a guy who was absent. Or, or present in one of the most racist cities in this country and one of the most racially charged moments in this country's history. Nah, my man. And I always already all I already always had my reservations about Jerry Jones, right? He's from Arkansas, he played for Arkansas, good old boy, oil money type dude. And you know what the funniest thing about a Jerry Jones is and why I laugh at him? Is Jerry Jones is the guy that always had money and opportunity, but he's like, I want to be a football player. So he tried real, real, real hard. And he tried real, real, real hard to make the league. And you just sucked and couldn't. So now you're an owner. And now you're on a power trip. And then you became a successful owner. So you really on a power trip. Even though Jimmy Johnson is the one you reason you won those Super Bowls. And that makes a little sense. 
But you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, shout out my man Jimmy Johnson one time, uh, former coach of the U. Uh, the U, baby. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm. I don't, I don't like. I guess my question is, what do people expect me to feel about this? Like, am I supposed to be upset? You, uh, to me, you, you should only be upset by things that you're surprised by. Right? If yeah. you know something's gonna happen, if I'll be real, if you got a bully at school and you go to school and you know you got to fight this bully, what you upset about at this point? You should just be preparing yourself because you know what's coming, right? But if I think somebody's my friend and they sucker punch me in the lunchroom, I'm gonna be upset because it's like, whoa, dude, why did you hit me, right? Yeah. If that would be like if I there was a video of Jerry Jones saying the N word, I would not be shocked, bro. Like, come on now, yeah. I'm not like what I'm, I'm supposed to be like. <gasps> Jerry Jones, how could you? You give all these black men money to own them, which sounds like indentured servitude. Yeah. Huh. No way you can be racist because you realize that, you know, black players or, you know, in general have taken over the majority of these leagues. He obviously can't be racist. He kneel with the black players. No, he's just not as, and I, and I he's just not as arrogant and dumb as these other owners. That's why I say, even this picture is funny. Is the, in six years, like people say he's got the best track record. I've never, I don't care enough to look back and track Jerry Jones and all his whatever happenings or whatever. But I will say, and to me, it's funny, right? We had like Bob McNair who was like, oh, the inmates are running the asylum. This is crazy. I don't know. Jerry Jones was like, I don't have to say none of that. I'm going to kneel with these boys. I'm going to high five them. I'm going to rap that. I'm going to rap whatever they rap in the locker room. Yeah. I'm going to go home. They're going to be like, we love Jerry Jones. He's smart enough to understand how you conduct business with black players, especially with already people understanding who you are. Uh, you are you're a baby boomer from the Arkansas, South. from the South. Who's raised on football and God and oil money? It ain't no way. And I don't mean to prejudge nobody. I don't mean to put any superlatives on anybody. It ain't no way you ain't got a little bit of racism in you. Like, come on now, bro. So, could I look back at that picture and be like, oh man, he was a young boy. He might not have said anything. He might just literally have been walking through the school, like, yo, what's this? And his man was like, these N words are integrating our school. He could have been the one guy to be like, dude, it ain't got to be like that. I doubt that. But, like, like, let's be real, bro. Let's be real. If all of your fr- – let's be real, right? And I'm going to put the, break this down for somebody when it comes down to what racism is and to be what it means to be racist and not racist. I'm going to explain young peer pressure, right? So if you want to say that, which I don't believe, once again, all his friends around him might have been racist and he wasn't racist, so he might have allowed things to go on, whether they beat up black kids or harassed other black kids or whatever the case may be, right? Yeah. But – if I'm not trying to see this one. But if you want me to believe that, that's fine. Okay, that's something I can forgive a 14-year-old for. Because if everyone else is doing it, you're gonna do it. That's what kids do. Yeah, they're impressionable. They're impressionable. But I don't believe that. And I, I do, you know, I know racism is taught and but his friends didn't teach him that. His parents probably did. Yeah. Because racism was so tied into the fabric of Americana at that point yeah. that you could be openly racist in the South. It wasn't weird. Like, if we was up here right now, right, and we was walking in the street, and a white dude yelled, N-word, over at one of us. And it was a bunch of white people. Everybody's going to stop and be like, whoa, what's up, my man? If that was the South, everybody would have kept walking yeah. in 1950s. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... Don't try to sell me this dream like, oh, you're not racist. You've never said or done anything racist. I don't even, you know, he was. I was just curious. Man, go ahead, bro. Yeah. 
But I didn't like the fact that it, yo, so like dying on hills that no one asked you to die on is the thing we always talk about, right? Yeah. But dying on a hill that no one was even thinking was a hill is even funnier. And the the Stephen A. Smith part of this is the part I really want to get to real quick because it's like, did you see what he said when he was on first take? Yes, of course. It was like, what? No one asked. <laughs> no one asked you if that was your man. No one cares. Listen, listen, honestly, the biggest thing for me is that yo, is that the one thing I'm tired about in the media because obviously you know we're media also is that I'm tired of giving white people a pass in which you try to vilify black people for. This is the same guy who got up there and said all these things about Kyrie last week. Mm-hmm. But then when it came to Jerry Jones, he was like, this is a four. This was a four. 15 year old from another 15 year old and I'm like oh man and I'm like where was all this grace and understanding when it comes to Kyrie Irving oh because Kyrie Irving's a 30 year old man and you have to watch what you say out of your mouth I mean shoot where was all this grace and understanding when it came to you using your platform to slander Colin Kaepernick who somebody want to talk about that yeah though. So no, I, 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 I'm really tired of this. I'm so, really tired of this Colin Kaepernick if, if, if you wanted to be a play if you like, wanted to play you'd be just like bro this was a guy who, and it's funny because I was, we're going to, actually, we're going to have the cap conversation because, you know, obviously we've had it with Corey on the show a couple of times, just talking about Kaepernick and off screen, we talk, but I want to uh, let you finish your thought and then I'll kind of segue on to like, no, what to honest, Kaepernick like, I'm just tired, no, to me, I'm tired of ad nauseum at this point because like, to me, like, I, like a few months ago, I, I talked about the Rachel Nichols, Maria Taylor situation mm-hmm. where it's like, I, I, I'm not like. What am I surprised with what Rachel Nichols said about Maria Taylor? No, I'm not. But the one thing that I'm constantly tired of is that I'm tired of black people having to take the high road just because throughout history, because the fact that we've constantly been dumped on because of slavery, because of everything else that will be going on, we have to take everything with grace. And we have to always take the high road. We always have to be deal. We always have to deal with being tolerated instead of celebrated. So that's why to me, like, like in regards to the whole, like, okay, Stephen A, no one asked you to do this in terms of why, how come you can all do all this grace and understanding for a situation in which you weren't there 60 years ago. You're not even 60. So how can you have all this grace and understanding for stuff that was going on in the South in 1957 to a bunch of 14-year-old kids who didn't even ask to be called N-words, who didn't in, to get all these death threats? Your understanding towards Jerry Jones but how, you weren't understanding towards what they were going through. You weren't understanding in terms of what Emmett Till was going through. Ruby Bridges was six years old and she was getting death threats at six years old. Six trying years? to go to Ruby Bridges is still alive. Yes. <laughs> like let's Jerry Jones is still alive. Yeah. And this didn't happen three hundred years ago like slavery did. This was less than eighty, less than seventy years ago. Dude. Fifty years ago, man. Like come on now. Like, cause like even like when slavery, like, like segregation was limited in fifty, there was still segregation going on there. Yeah, exactly. They were, dude. The whole state. The craziest thing about the Arkansas thing is this: the mayor of Arkansas, mayor, governor, I think, governor of Arkansas. Yes, the governor of Arkansas was going down, shutting down schools instead of allowing people to go, so the kids couldn't integrate into these schools. So, like, let's be real. Like, it's two thousand twenty-two, and some of these, some of these states, literally, was like, it should slavery be banned? That was on the ballot. Yes. That's crazy. Too. In 2022, <laughs> Tennessee had that on the ballot. Like, bruh. <laughs> and then people are like, why you don't want to move down south? What? <laughs> I know the housing is cheap. I also don't want to have to either die or kill someone down there. I'm good. So, um. But, yeah. Good. 
No. Oh, so my Kaepernick thing, right? And, you know, obviously last week on the show we talked about um, Jalen running the ball. We we had kind of mentioned the whole Colin Kaepernick, that game against Green Bay, which yeah. is like an awesome dual threat game. And so I just went on a Colin Kaepernick binge just watching him play, right? This dude was everything RG3 was. He was everything Cam was. Everything, everything Jalen is. Everything you want in a total in a prototypical 2022 quarterback, Colin Kaepernick was in 2012. Yep. Right? Never really suffered any major injuries. Mm-hmm. So when people say he didn't get blackballed and people like Stephen A pushed his agenda that he wasn't he wasn't that good. Let's be honest. Let's be real. He was never that he No, that's that's a lie. That is a lie. This was a for all intents and purposes, right? And the reason I'm gonna say this is because we know, you know. People left the league with a league or, or almost won the Super Bowl. So what I'm going to say is I'm not trying to take away what the Ravens did. Let's be real. That's a Super Bowl winning quarterback or a Super Bowl potentially winning quarterback, right? That just out of nowhere now no one wants him. Come on, dude. Yeah. And, and, no, and, like, and, and let's be real. Like that Super Bowl, he almost brought them back. And the following year, if not for Richard Sherman, they they would have had a game winning. He would have had a game winning touchdown pass Crabtree in the back of the end. And would have went to back to back Super Bowls. Like, so what are we really, so what are we really talking about? If Chip, if if Jim Harbaugh doesn't leave San Francisco, what does his career look like, dude? Because I promise you, Jim Irsay, I'm not Irsay. Harbaugh would have been like, no, we're sticking with this guy. We need to get him some help. Jim Tom or Tom Sula or whatever yeah. the guy's name. He came in and it was weird, and then, then Chip, Chip came, came in and it was really, really weird, weird. <laughs> and it was just like. He never really got a chance to shine and got that confidence again. And once they took that confidence, getting the kneeling happened, and then once that happened, it was a wrap. Yeah. So I say that to say is Colin Kaepernick, Geno Smith and Colin Kaepernick are the same age. Colin Kaepernick is younger than Aaron Rodgers. Colin Kaepernick's younger than Ryan Tannehill. Come on, bro. Colin Kaepernick's only a year older than Carson Wentz. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, come on, bro. Like, come on, dude. Like, so for you to say that he's not like, this is what I mean when I like the the black people that we have in the positions of power, man. It scares me sometimes, dude, because it's just like, how am I trying to say this? Whether it's Charles Barkley, whether it's Stephen A, it always feels like their job is to be like, well, guys, we just all got to love each other. And it's like, well, no one loves us when it's time to love us. So why is it when it's time to speak up about those who don't show us love, we do this thing of like, it, it's not even like MLK because MLK speeches was, he talked about when people didn't love him. He saw eventually like, oh, time out. I can't just keep springing God nonviolent. He was like, oh, they are doing all this to us. Yes, and Mal- watch Malcolm X speeches. He told us about 50 years ahead of time in terms about people in the media like Charles Barkley and Stephen A. Yep. And all of it has come true. Yeah. So, you know, a guy who talked about, like, even the Charles Barkley thing, to uh, to touch on Barkley a, a little closer. Um, I don't know if you saw his appearance on CNN after the uh, the, the club shooting in, in, in Colorado at Club Q, where involuntarily, <laughs> like, I mean, involuntarily, un, you know, not, not unprovoked, he just goes, you know, and in the black community, you know, we hate, it was like, time out. <laughs> time out. <laughs> no one asked you that, bro. The shooter was white. The club was in a mostly white neighborhood. No one asked you that. Why did you offer up that information for? He pulled a Liam Neeson. Like, <laughs> bro, right? Like, that's that's crazy, right? Yeah. No one asked you this. No one was like, hey, Charles Barkley, 
What, how do you feel about black people's impact as far as gay people? No one asked that. And I get it. You can only speak from your perspective, but no one asked for that perspective because if the shooter was black, then that perspective would have made sense. It would have said, if the shooter and the club were in a black neighborhood, and did it, that would have made sense. I'm not even, and I'm not even going to turn this into a race thing as far as, oh, black people don't shoot up clubs or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is if we can always do this geographical, socioeconomic-based uh, 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 death baiting with us, we're like, oh, black on black crime, black people kill what? When white people kill white people, keep that over there. Put it on the news. I want to see it. I want to know about it. I want to know what's going on in my country, but keep that over there. Is that fair? Yeah. But a guy like Charles Barkley, who yes him, you know, wants to go in there and get his, you know, his uncle ruckus on. Um, he, I, I don't know, dude. Like he just is a, he's a bothersome dude, and it just feels like. But well, you also need to remember, he is a black guy from the south. Mm-hmm. So like being the, like all the stuff that he was taught in terms of his upbringing, it's kind of it's kind of no different from Jerry Jones. The only difference is the fact that he's black. So maybe he experiences the same thing. He has right the same mindset as him, and. However, it's like you look at it. Mike Barkley's probably almost sixty now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. No, I um, I agree with you wholeheartedly, dude. Um, uh, I don't know what the solution is. Um, because it feels like all the pundits we get who aren't afraid to speak their mind: Bomani Jones, Jamel Hill, Michael Smith, uh, 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 uh Carrie Champion. It feels like slowly, but. I just want you to think of what ESPN looked like 10 years ago, right? When it was Stephen A., when it was Jamel Hill, when it was Michael Smith, when it was Bomani, when it was like, and we had people who weren't afraid to say some things that make, and it, whether by their own fruition of getting their own opportunities, yeah. or whether just, you know, things happen like a Jamel Hill with ESPN, it just feels like the only black voice they want to matter is Stephen A's. And the only black voice that they matter is not really a black voice that speaks up for us when we need it. When we need it. When it's convenient for him to say, now, 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 now I'm outraged. Now I'm, as, a, as a brother, as a black man, I'm outraged. You know, he gets to go in and sit up on his little high horse and pretend that he cares. Yeah, because here's, yeah, because here's the thing. When the George Floyd thing was, met, was was happening, they brought all, like, the civil rights leaders and everything else in the ESPN. They was ponying up that old dog and pony show for that. Come on now. Like, but, I, but obviously because the whole George Floyd thing was – you know, acceptable for them exactly. to back up. But meanwhile, the Jerry Jones thing, where it's like, no one really asked you to back this man up. Where All like, you could have said is, you know, he was probably a child, and you know, I think the easiest way to to address this is, you know, offer an apology about it or just talk about it in general. Um. So you know, I'm, I, I have no clue. I just, I just feel like when it came down to it, I was expecting Stephen A. to have more of a Hey, Jerry Jones may be my friend or whatever the case may be because we didn't even need to know that. All you needed to address was whatever did happen, he can't shy away from it. And for the fact that his excuse was, oh, well, I was intrigued, bothers me. Because I'll be real, if he would have owned it as, hey, man, I was 14, it was the South at the time. I'm not saying that I don't make mistakes. I'm not saying I'm a perfect person, but... Where, I would have expected, even like, if I didn't believe that. Where it's like, I'm 14, obviously, I'm... Um, it's been 60 years. I've grown to understand where my place at that time is wrong. Like, show some reflection where it's like perspective where it's like, okay, what I did back then was completely wrong. I learned from it. You know, all the buzzwords in which they kind of get you off your back. But instead of that, you want us to believe all of a sudden 
you just were just curious. You didn't have any, you didn't say anything. You ain't heckle nobody. You ain't, I will put it to you like this. How many times you've been in school? This will be the last thing you leave on. And I want y'all to think about this, about the Jerry Jones, about any person. How many times you've been in school and somebody has been a group of people and everybody's been joking on this one person and somebody's either laughing or somebody else who wasn't even in it gets a little joke off in that same situation. That's peer pressure. That's impression. So then imagine that where racism is normal in the South. So even if you weren't a kid who was racist, if you're like, ha ha, look at this blank for blank. And it's like, oh yeah, look at that blank for blank. Jerry Jones, come on now. Don't lie. Don't don't be, uh, come on now. We all went to school. Yeah. We all have been 14 or 15. Yeah. Nice to know that racism is curious to you. Yep. Bro, <laughs> anyway. wonder what they're saying to these nice black people. Come on, bro. Stop it. Anyway. <laughs> That's all the time that we have for the show. Once again, this is Chris Thomas. Jamal Thomas. And you've been listening to the Running Bass Sports Show, Sports for the Culture, every Tuesday from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern. Stay tuned because we got Hip Hop since 1987 and the LOL show coming up right after this. Until next time, we will see you later.